Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And now, a word from Martellus Bennett, a professor at the Dosakis College Football Football College. Hey, college football fans. Martellus Bennett here. Do you want to win every football argument this season? Dominate every debate? Become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com backslash edu. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019, Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Finally, there's a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martellus. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, and it's week 12 NFL edition of the Dream Preview. By popular demand, Matty Holt, Steve Fezzik, I'm R.J. Bell. Showtime! Woo! Game number, we're going rotation, remember, and then like-likes... Considered at the end. Dolphins, Browns. You know, Fez, maybe I should have the, uh, somehow you never gave me the line for the Super Contest. We got the Browns favored by 10 and a half over Miami. 10 and a half. What do you got, Fez? I'm going to lean to Miami here. It's all about the reaction to the Thursday night fiasco. So think about this. Cleveland moved to four and six. They beat the Steelers. They never beat the Steelers. One of the biggest wins in recent Cleveland Browns football history, and it should have been celebratory. Well, you've only had like 10 in t- five years. They're all going to be big, right? <laughs> I hate the Browns, so it's not we. Um, but then it's all tainted at the very end with the nonsense that went on. you got to ask yourself. Tainted in the media. Tainted in the media. How do we think the team is responding? That's the million-dollar question. I'm not sure, but I don't think well because here's a team that – really was on the cusp of getting back into contention. And Miles Garrett's a really good player for the defense. The fact that he's out for the year, I'm concerned about the chemistry in the Cleveland locker room. Not so much the chemistry, the distractions. I don't like a team that's distracted. Obviously, they got another defensive lineman. He's suspended for one game, and I'm just not sure how much those distractions well, I'm carry sorry, over. You said they have another defensive lineman. He's Larry Ogunjobi. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me. So you purposely didn't say that. You could have said, all right, I got it. Because I I knew I could. Go ahead. So the question is, how does Cleveland respond to all this? And I'll tell you this. If it wasn't for all these distractions, I think Cleveland would have responded really well with positive, um, hey, we, we can see the path to getting back into the playoff race. It may still happen. I'm not sure, but I'm certainly concerned about Cleveland and those distractions. And I'm also concerned about the fact Cleveland leads the league in penalties. They're not a buttoned-up team. So it wasn't a shock to me that this disaster happened to the Cleveland Browns and not to a team that is more like the New England Patriots. Well, what we got to do is got to set the Patriots aside, right? Everything they do is different. Who would be another team you would say is buttoned up? 
So forget the Pats. If you're comparing the Browns to somebody, who is it? Mm. Seattle. They're buttoned up. It seems like they're the opposite of buttoned mm. up. It's like it seems like it's controlled chaos in a way, but Seattle's always pride themselves on letting the players be themselves. That's the yeah. That's probably a bad analogy. You know what? I should have thought more about it. Well, no, because that's the thing. It's so easy to default to the Patriots. Yes. Who's buttoned up? I'm thinking about it. I would think Vikings. Yeah, that's a great call with Mike Zimmer. That's a great call. But isn't it interesting? We can't come up with a you know maybe you know who's next, Maddie? Who would be buttoned up to you? I don't know. I lean Cleveland in this game, and I really I was on the fence. But anytime Fez has an emotional analysis on teams, I tend to want to go the other way. <laughs> I think his statistical and his his injury tracking is amazing, but his emotional analysis, I, I have real questions with that. And well, him not being a human being makes yeah. it harder for him. Right? So <laughs> I just I actually think, look, the Garrett in, in situation suspension is going to hurt them, obviously, in the long run. But I'm not sure it hurts them here. 60% of Miami's games this season, they lost by 13 or more points. They couldn't get up for a division rival last week in a spot where maybe you thought they would playing a division opponent. Against Pittsburgh? Buffalo, Miami. You know, if you're going to get oh, up, if you're I'm a horrible sorry, team okay. and you're going to get up, you think you get up first division opponents or rivals. Well, they didn't get up for that game, losing by 17 to Buffalo. Now, is the only assessment of their energy level, Miami, was the fact they lost by a good margin? Or did you watch the game and say, oh, they seem flat? I didn't think they played that well. I didn't they, think they They got completely yeah. run over. They actually got a kickoff. Miami got a kickoff return touchdown. Or it would have been even worse. As you were watching the game, RJ, it was like, what happened to these Miami Dolphins that have covered five straight games? They were really never in this game. But I keep hearing they were never in it. Does that is that lack of energy, or they just weren't in the game? They they got smoked. They, they got, got run over. Yeah, yeah. The Bills just ran over them at the line of scrimmage and dominated them. And and to me, this feels like a spot where, yeah, I think Cleveland could play really well here. They can come in. They can they can run their offense. What does Cleveland like to do that mimics what Buffalo did last week? Ground and pound. Start with the running game. We saw the Buffalo Bills translate that running game into play action passes and points. And and Cleveland absolutely loves to pound Nick Chubb, and that gives Baker Mayfield time <laughs> to pass. Oh, it's true. Now, when you say pound Chubb, it makes me laugh. <laughs> and I think they're going to be able to do it this week, and I, and I think they get the job done. You know, and he really is. A I, mean, I lean that side anyway. He really is a, a great running back, one of one of my ten running backs that's in my top five running backs in the league. But Chubb is really, um, you, seemingly, you know, I talk. You, you said one of your ten running backs that are among the top five running backs. <laughs> because I'm always talking oh, like, like okay. the virtues of, <sighs> like, oh, Dalvin Cook, he's a great running back. Speaking of players, what that that – other defensive lineman, what's his name? Oh, Hogan Joby. <laughs> Dr. Lakshmanan Satyavagiswaran. The first name goes as follows L A K S H M A N A N. And the last name is S A T S and Thomas H Y A V A G I S W A R A N. Of course. <laughs> Here's my questions. Could the Cleveland situation be positive? I don't think so. But is this a situation where there's some effect from very tiny to big, but in every way it's negative? Or could it be 
they're going to come together as a team, right? Potentially. I think in the short term, you can overcome these things, especially but, but, over. But, well, saying you can overcome that means it's negative, but it won't. It's not. But I think the impact them. is minimal now. I think the long term impact is we're going to lose, you know, four more sacks at the end of the uh, year. We're going to lose thirty four more extra pressures because this side was so good. But against a really bad Miami D, uh, offense, I'm not sure. And you know what I do know about Ryan Fitzpatrick? He plays in spurts. Yeah, you know, we've seen it year after year. Three good games, three bad games, three good games. He has never had a consistent season in his entire NFL career. He had a good run. They covered some games in a row. I think he's on that bad run right now. And the bad Ryan Fitzpatrick is bad. And I just think Cleveland has it can follow the same exact model to victory that Buffalo did last week. Okay, now there's, there's a couple of interesting things there. I've never heard that about... Fitzpatrick, meaning I've he has seemed streaky. Very. But you just said something I never thought of, which is if you're streaky, do you ever have a one-game streak, which by definition isn't a streak, meaning once he has a bad game, one, is the next game almost always bad? I think so. And right. once he has a good one, he usually has good. I mean, last year he had three good ones in a row, then two bad ones that got benched. Then they benched Jameis, put him back in. He had two bad ones and got benched. Yeah. Then this year he had five bad ones and you know then he or a few bad ones. He didn't start Rosen started some of those games, but he had a couple of bad ones. Then he had three good ones. So what we're saying is since you never know when the turn's gonna happen, if it's if he's three ga- at what point do you say but oh the he's turn had- happened last week? Oh I know. Yeah. Which means you're saying once the turn the only time we would have any certainty of what's next though is the game after the turn because that one you would think continues it. Because in the past, he has continued that trend. So if we want to, let's just say good, bad, let's say GB. So if you go GG, it could be good or bad next. Yeah. But if the next one is bad, so it's GGB, you're saying the next is Is a higher probability. Okay. I don't know if statistically there's any, well, I guess since it's a human being, maybe there is a logic to it. Fez, what do you think? So the data certainly supports that. If Uh-oh. I looked at 2018 last year, his, he, he opened up with two QBRs in the 90s, and then he had a 30. Bad game right after a 24. So now that continued. Yeah. The, so bad the only, after a yeah, bad. Yeah, good, good, only bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Whenever you've had the turn, it's the next game. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at this because this could be something of note. right? But why don't you lay it out? But I, I guess what I'm saying is, if it's good, 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 it doesn't break it. If it's good again, it doesn't break it. Right. Whenever he 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 broke bad, like exactly. significantly bad, he got worse the next three games last last year's data. Yeah. He never he never the one time he rebounded, he had two bad games in a row that were comparable. But whenever he had a, a much worse game than the game before, he just kept going bad. Mm. But at some mm. point, that must not happen, right? Because he would be bad forever. Then, <laughs> right? All right, huh? Could the case be made that if you do like Miami, you look at the money line? Meaning, if Fitzpatrick, if we knew Fitzpatrick was going to have a good game, because they play in extremes, it seems like, Fitzpatrick specifically. Is this one of the cases that if you like Miami, you look at the money line? Because if he does extremely well, they could win the game. I actually don't believe he can win this game. Really? Yeah. Where would you have, and I know... Uh, with all, and again, sincerely, with the growth of your company, U.S. Integrity, the only non-conflicted I heard is that right? That's right, conflict-free, conflict-free integrity company. The you know, 
your ability to spend every minute digging into the, you know, now mm-hmm. it's limited. Uh, and, and let's be honest, you're gonna make a lot more money as a CEO. So it's awesome. But you can't identify what's abnormal if you don't identify what's normal for teams. So we do a pretty good job of identifying their norms, officiating players, et cetera. Oh, no, no. Yeah. What I was saying is I was going to ask you a question that was like, uh, kind of like a deeper dive. And, and I wanted to say, if somehow you haven't done this work, it's totally understandable sure. is what I would say is where do you have Cle- Where would you have Cleveland one to 32? Uh, I don't know exactly, but my guesstimate would probably be 22. Now, that's fascinating. 21? Because if it's 22 or 21, you, I'm thinking, are significantly lower, meaning you have, you're have you more pessimistic about the Browns than sure. almost anyone. Yeah, I think most people have them around, what, 15 to 18? Bez, what do you got? I am 20th. Really? I saw, I forget who it was. It was someone that I follow, but it's not someone I read every, you know, or even most of the posts. Had him, had the Browns eighth. No. No, this was a math guy, though. It was pure math. And because the thing, what's Football Outsiders got, Fess? 20th also. The Browns are 20th in Football Outsiders? Yeah, I don't think they can ever be top 10. That's a, Hmm. that guy's, he needs to check his math, maybe. No, no, I hear you. (laughs) Boy, that's interesting. Who do you got around him, Fess? Tennessee, Atlanta. Yeah. Well, Atlanta's hard to comprehend. Carolina, Pittsburgh. I get But when you say Pittsburgh, where's Pittsburgh? 22. Pittsburgh is below them. Atlanta's 21. Atlanta's a weird team. They're very hard to quantify right now. Well, yeah. I mean, the last two games, I mean, if you just look at the last two games, they're the best team in football. Yeah, and their only other win all season was against Philly, at least a 500-plus team. So you're like, wow. Yeah, yeah. so I, I accept I don't understand Atlanta. Who's like, let me see your numbers. This is just blown. Is the stack ranked now? Okay. New England, Baltimore, New Orleans, San Fran, KC, Dallas, Minnesota, Seattle, Green Bay, Rams, Philly, Houston. Okay. That's interesting. Like, not one of those teams who I think is bad. Like, like I agree. They're all pretty good. They're all better than Cleveland. Yeah, I agree with that. Indy. Okay. See, this is interesting. You got the Chargers 14. How's that? I mean, like... I guess what I'm they saying. They find ways to lose these close games again and again. Jacksonville, Buffalo. Are we sure Buffalo's better than Cleveland? No. We're not sure of that at all. See, I think Cle- No, Football Outsiders got Buffalo 25. You got them 16. So that's like one of the big ones there. Oakland? I think they are. I think their defense is really good, Buffalo. But, yeah. All right. Oakland, Carolina. What do we know about Carolina, really? I guess that Green Bay game, they look so bad the next week. Huh. If they didn't get whipped by Atlanta, everybody would assume they're fine because they gave Green Bay a tough test. I agree with it's you. And the then Atlanta, Atlanta so much. Yeah. But Atlanta, to your point, is this freak abnormality because they whipped New Orleans, too, on the road. The I agree. Before, that, so. so in a weird way, this week is going to tell us more about Carolina than maybe any team. I agree, yeah. Because if they look good, we can dismiss those two yeah. games. You know, that should be a new feature, Fez. Like, what game do you think is going to tell you them? If you could have one score ahead of time, mm. what score would it be? To, 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 you know, you're going to gain the most. Tennessee, Cleveland, Atlanta. Well, this is interesting. Pittsburgh still. Tampa. Is it me? There's hardly any really bad teams. Chicago, I mean, Chicago. Oh, there's bad teams. No, no. What I'm saying is there's the handful that we know are really bad. Washington, Cincinnati. Miami. Miami. Jets, Giants. Yes. But from there... Detroit, 
What was the line when Detroit was Maddie's team? What was the line Detroit when Matthew Stafford was 100% healthy? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. So how much you downgrade him? Five. All right. So that was just my oversight. Then Arizona is Arizona certainly a bad team? They're bad. Yeah, they're pretty. Bad. They're not bad. They were bad. They've um, Kyler Murray. I've become a believer in him. A lot of people. Have, I mean, Colin. Let's give Cowherd credit. Was ahead of the game. I mean, if Arizona is better than we think, Denver. Okay. I can see. I can't figure Denver out, but okay. I mean, the idea that they almost won against Minnesota in Minnesota. Did you see the end of that game? Like any of the? Numbers? I did, and I saw the game before. It was almost a replica of it against Cleveland, where they almost choked that one away, but they didn't. But those two games are almost a replica. I mean, in terms of Denver had a big lead on Cleveland and tried their hardest to choke away, had a big lead on Minnesota, and did choke it away. But the fact that Denver could have a big lead on Minnesota in Minnesota and Cleveland means how bad could they be in their 25th, right? And then Chicago. If Chicago is your 24th worst team or 24th team, they're not that bad. Mm-hmm. But Cleveland sitting at 20 or 21 isn't that far-fetched when you look at the group. That's where they no, that's, should be. That's what I'm saying. My gut yeah. is they shouldn't be well below average. There is a bunch of grouped-up teams between 12 and 23. Yeah, so what do I have, minus one for the actual power rating for Cleveland, 20th team? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. you got like five teams tied. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's tight. A, I mean, that brings up a fascinating point. The Rams are at 10, all right? The Rams are at 10 in Fez's rankings. And I'm just trying to think. Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Cleveland. Cleveland's at 20. Are we really sure the Rams are that much better than Cleveland? No. Cleveland has a lot of volatility. I'm I'm very confident where the Rams are in my power. But you've rating. got a four point difference between them. Cleveland could be. You know, that's a team that has a a much higher ceiling in mm. terms of what happens. And I'll tell you this: I'm no Browns guy. I'm no Mayfield guy, and I'm certainly no Freddie Kitchens guy. They had a really tough schedule to start the year. Yeah, they had the most one of the most front-loaded schedules of any team. All right. So Miami, Cleveland, anything else? Let me think. Oh, how much of your pessimism, open question, about the Browns off of this incident is about Freddie Kitchens? If this happened to the Patriots, where a guy just went wild, would we be concerned at all? No. I think it's like we don't trust Kitchens to handle this, right? Yes. But but I trust it that it's going to deteriorate slowly and not implode all at once. Why? Why? Like, I don't think this week suddenly er, the wheels completely fall off the Cleveland Browns this week because Miles Garrett suspended. I think it's mm. it probably. I think the ten days in. helps too a little bit. Yeah, it does. It's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Proud. So to recap, Maddie, you've got lean on Cleveland. Fez, lean Miami, but no likes. Next game, Denver Buffalo. Buffalo minus four. Back to the idea, home field for Buffalo is what? Three and a half, right? Just three. That'd be interesting. How, amongst the threes, which would be the next two you'd move up? Mm. So we'll let Maddie start this one. And you can answer that, Fez, when you come back or when you're back in and go from there. So, Maddie, what do you got in this uh, Buffalo-Denver? Yeah, I'm torn between a lean and a like here. I'm going to like Denver. I Ooh. think Buffalo's coming off of a... That defense, though. I think the defense is really good. I mean, there's a reason that total is where it's at this week. Oh, that's true. Uh, 37, huh? And, and But I think this could be a flat spot for the Bills. The Bills were in a... You know, they needed a big win last week. They were coming off the loss to Cleveland. 
and they came out and, and had a great performance. And they have a road game at Dallas next week. And, ne- and next week, their schedule really starts to get tough. At Dallas versus the Baltimore Ravens at Pittsburgh. I feel like this is the spot where they might look ahead a little bit. And let's face it, Denver has looked really good in the first half against Minnesota and against Cleveland the week prior. And in a battle where neither team figures to score much, if just a little bit less focus by Buffalo is on the Cowboys and the Ravens and their upcoming schedule, the way Denver's playing, I could easily see this game being a three- or four-point game. And you always have to remember in the NFL 2019, any game with a total under 40, the points definitely come a bigger premium, and I tend to want to lean toward any underdog over a field goal. That's the case here with a total of only 37.5 points. I'm going to like the Denver Broncos plus four. Like. Now, a couple things. One, we don't have time to really hash this out. But last year when we were, uh, it was the week 16 we were entering, stakes were really high in the gold. We were 67%. One of the bets we made last or picks, last minute decision, was Tennessee, who was, uh, I think, minus nine and a half. The contest went up to like 11. It was a Saturday or 12. It was a Saturday game. And we were able to lay the nine and a half. We did the study or the query that said, okay, NFL totals below X spread above, you know, the whole kind of three X thing where in general points are at a premium. What we found out was, and we repeated it this year with new data and it was, you know, the same, you're looking at like 58% for the favorite when it was, I think it was double digit under 40 or, you know, whatever the ratio was, it was very representative of the situation you're talking about, points at a premium. In college football, it's the opposite, meaning the standard thought that you uh, often share was true in college, not true in the NFL. I have my theory on it. I know you're a data guy. What do you say to that? Like, does that is that one of those like, oh my god, I can't, it makes no sense, or can you see why that might be? Uh, I think there's less variables in college. So you get more abstract scoring, special teams touchdowns. You get more safeties. You get more, uh, you know, interception return touchdowns. So unusual things. Correct. And you get less of that in the NFL. Bengals, Steelers. Oh, Steve, you just took my sheet. I know. I need need to take it back after you you say the line. All right. Uh, McKenzie, you want to run out and uh, copy this? Could you please? Thank you. Uh, Steelers, six and a half at Cincinnati. Fess. Yeah, I like Cincinnati in this game. Uh, it's all about winless teams. They usually have value, and I believe that the Bengals— Oh, so you asked me to run that. So you want I'll run that as we're talking. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so the Bengals obviously 0-10, and they're playing hard. They played hard against the Raiders, and frankly, this is a game I could really— oh, Hold on a second. When you say playing hard, that is like success. Like there's a succession of games. So what's the other game that they're playing hard? Or they play this hard game. in one game. <laughs> this game, hopefully. Um, Would you agree that effort's been an issue? Yes. They played hard in one game, and now you th- that's part of your handicap? Yes. You think effort really was the issue with Cincinnati? Where was the lack Against of effort? Against Baltimore? Yeah. I saw a team that basically quit and just handed the ball off to Joe Mixon the yeah. whole second half. Now, how much of that is Baltimore so physical? Because we saw that with Miami. I mean, to some degree, if you look at Baltimore's margin— in the second halves, it, it seems to back the idea that teams are getting beat up and they don't want any more of it. 
I don't know. I mean, which would kind of excuse the Bengals in a way is, yeah. is what I'm saying. But yeah, so I was I was surprised at the effort against Oakland. And frankly, they, they were in the game. They were, were a massive underdog the whole way to win it. But they certainly deserved to cover the game. I do think this is a good correlate, correlated parlay because Pittsburgh is hurting now on the O-line. And that's what. So, so quantify that. Uh, Pouncey's is, is suspended for three games. So be, because of that, um, Pittsburgh has an elite O line. It's not going to be as good. And I don't trust Rudolph. And I think Pittsburgh's just going to hand the ball off, ground and pound, get the victory. And because Pittsburgh's skill position players are compromised, I don't know if Juju's going to play. Uh, I don't think that Connor, the running back, is going to play. And because of these playmakers that are missing, it's going to be hard for Pittsburgh to get margin. I do know this, that Pittsburgh defense is playing very well. So I don't see the Bengals getting a lot of points. So I think it's a correlated parlay. If you bet the Bengals, I would parlay Cincinnati to the under. And even if you don't bet the under, the fact that it's tending to lower scoring helps you with the points here, right? So, Matty, what do you got? I like Cincinnati as well for all the reasons actually Fez said. Uh, there, I've Is this a like a or a like-like? Just a like. I noticed a direct correlation this year between team success and the the health of their best offensive linemen. And, of course, Pouncey is their starting center, and, and he's an all-pro starting center at one point. He is a really high-level offensive lineman. I know. I feel like Juju's 98% out. I mean, he, he is nowhere near passing concussion protocol at the time of this taping, which pretty much means he's out this week. I just have no confidence in this Pittsburgh offense whatsoever now adding in the injuries. They both have the exact same yards per play this season. As bad as it seems for the Bengals, they have the same YPP as the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're catching six and a half points at home. A lot of times these winless teams where they pop up is against that weaker division opponent where they might be able to, to where there's some rivalry and intensity there. I could see that the hometown fans hate Pittsburgh. Cincinnati hates Pittsburgh. Now they're catching the weakened Pittsburgh team coming in, which will only motivate them to play harder. Uh, I like Cincinnati. And just to clarify, when we say the same YPP, we are, of course, are talking about offense. Yards per play. Yes. Offensive yards offensive per play. Offensive Because defensively, the poor Cincinnati Bengals are giving up 6.6 yes, yes. yards per play, per play, which is worse in the NFL. But they have the same exact offensive yards per play. Yes, yeah. 4.8. So, winless teams after week eight, so nine and beyond, 30-plus years, 56 winners, winless team, 32 losers against the spread, 63%. This is a nice, clean second half of the year. Yeah. Uh, let me see if there's a home road split. You know, I'll go to the next game and I'll see if there's a home road split. I like. Do you agree with the correlation? Mm-hmm. So if you do like the Bengals, look to play Bengals and under. Yeah. Got a prop bet on this, too. Go ahead. So um, the Bengals' remaining best wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, was a non-factor Sunday. He only got one catch for zero yards, complained vehemently about how he's not being targeted. Now, normally, if you were playing for a team like New England, I would say this is, if anything, he's not going to be part of the game plan. But with a rookie head coach, Zach Taylor, I can imagine that um, the best playmaker for the Bengals is probably going to get a lot of targets. I would look over Boyd. His year-to-date average is 59 yards, so over 59 or less. I could Finley less. get him the ball. I think sometimes when you have a quarterback change. Now, Finley, Finley, actually, Finley is a quarterback fast thinks is better than Dalton. <laughs> Didn't you say that? I, I, no, I, what I said was, <laughs> 
<laughs> what I said is that I expected the performance of the Bengals with a, being more motivated would be comparable to what they would they be with Andy Dalton. Because they figured this guy in the fourth-round pick or whatever that's been stinking up practice, he's going to help yeah, that's us win. Yeah, that's, that's not playing, playing out at all. But uh, Tyler Boyd, of over 59, and, and probably to, to Maddie's point as far as Finley getting well, on the ball. Matty hasn't made his point yet. Go ahead, Go ahead. make your point. I just think sometimes when a backup comes in, we see that the team sort of can develop a new number one receiver because that quarterback may have a different continuity with a different receiver. I don't think it's an automatic that that you know Tyler Boyd has a bounce back game because he had a poor one and complained. He may be having poor oh, performances that a, ooh, that's because this quarterback, since he came in, may not just have the ability to throw the same type of pass routes to him. The paradigm shift there, I had never thought of. So tell me if this is a version of what you're saying. It could be the strength of his different routes, that this receiver likes to run these types of routes, so the starter loves him. Yeah. Backup doesn't. Could be some personal camaraderie. It could, like you just feel better thrown to this guy. That's right. But we're assuming, and, and, and how much of the stats, how much of the yardage is about their skill, Boyd's Boyd, and how much is it? Is the offense mm. running? Quarterback propensity to go in different directions? You've got to reevaluate it. So, how many, so it's been two games with Finley, right? Yeah. How, so how did Boyd do? At the, average, he met expectations. Well, pull up the number. And pull, he's got two variables there how many yards he had and what expectations were. If I asked him either, he'd be like, well, you know, somewhere between 55 <laughs> and 82 yards. <laughs> he's got this workstation. Now, at least he's going to have some information yeah. for us. Bears. Bears six. Six. Fez. Yeah, I like the New York Giants here. Mm. The Bears, it's all about their quarterback play, compromising the team. Hey, I think it's going to be Trubisky. I'm not sure. Left with the um, mysterious hip pointer at the very end of the Rams game. Who's getting the snaps this week? I've not seen Trubisky practice yet. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? It feels like if there's an ex- – let's assume the conspiracy theories are right. And that mm-hmm. he he wanted him out of there, right? He didn't want him beat up. You know, he didn't want there to be a perpetuation of the problems. Don't you almost feed into all the naysayers by letting them start this week? Why don't you play out the the uh, the charade, let him sit this week, and then he comes back in two weeks? It feels like a restart. Maybe he was hurt. What do you think, Fence? Trubisky just said his hip is day and night better after resting it for 48 hours now. Oh, looks which is like my hip would start. feel day oh. and night better, too, if the New York Giants defense was what I had to deal with ah, this that's week. That's a good point, huh? Yeah. If he was ever going to have a good game, it's this week. You know, and I can make the case that as bad as that Bears offense has been of late, it's actually overrated. If you look at some of the recent results. How, oh, overrated as in how bad it in, is. In terms of the scoreboard. The scoreboard looks decent. Hey, they got 25 points against the oh. Saints. RJ, you documented that game where they had no offense. That game, the 14 points against the Eagles, I think they crossed midfield twice. Both times they got touchdowns. So they could they put up nothing against the Detroit Lions for 29 minutes. This is a team that is absolutely struggling to move the ball. Yeah, but the New York Giants are allowing over six yards per play. There is not much resistance. Back down to the YPP for me. There is not a whole lot of resistance (laughs) coming on that side of the football. You know, uh, Sleepy's daughter came in for two recording sessions. Okay. She's like eight or nine. She's a wonderful kid. You know, just got that, you know, good, you know, attractive, uh, great... um, you know, optimism about, you know, yeah. the kids are, you've got, how many kids you got? 
I have four. Yeah, you know, you know a lot more than me about this. I love kids. Yeah, and the cutest voice, right? So I say, how can I somehow take advantage, not of her, but the, the situation? So I had to record, like, one whole session was Fez comments. So one I'm going to play for you right now, this is her talking about Fez. Not directly, but, you know. Pay attention to me. Yeah, me. Nobody else, just me. Me, me, me. Me. Right? So, you know, all that, like, Fez, quit lying. And th- th- the whole other session was about other things. One of them was YPP. I don't have it ready. But she goes, like, are you down with YPP? <laughs> oh, my God. Next time. Next time. Nice. What else you got in the game? That's about it for me. I, I, look, I. So, do you lean, what, what do you got? I, I very much lean towards Chicago. Uh, th- if we talk about motivation, you do a lot. And I rarely talk about motivation of teams. If anyone feels like they're giving up, it's the New York football giants. There has not been a whole lot of effort. But this from team's New York. been given up on and off for like four years, right? Uh, well, at least a couple years. But it looks bad right now. I mean, I just, I mean, they're getting whipped. They got whipped by the Jets. They lost by 20 to the, the Cowboys. They just don't feel like a team that's in games right now. And look, Chicago's terrible on the offensive side of the ball, but at least their their defense is, is stable and above average. The New York Giants rank in the bottom, what, three or four in both offense and defense. They're not doing anything well right now. You know, I want to talk about motivation because I'm going to make the case it's the Bears that have the problem with the motivation. Mm, the dream. I that. I just really. It's I, just because I think Nagy's a good coach. Uh, it's, yes. It's a good point. But at four and six, that yeah, was. Yeah, but, but see, that's the thing. You're so results oriented, Steve. And when I mean that, I mean you're thinking about how you would think about things. Because your brain's like a cow, or your brain's like a, a cash register. No, yeah, yeah. So Bears fans might. Yeah, you know. I agree, but what these guys are. I mean, here's the thing: How would you characterize the Rams' success last season at the end of the meaning in hindsight? Oh, it was a great year, except they lost. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you're saying the Bears somehow because they are unlikely to win the Super Bowl won't care about the game. And well, they I just think last this is Sunday the first- night. This is the first. He was ten seven in the fourth quarter. I think this is the first game legitimately. If if you ask the Bears and they had the lie detector, you know, on them, are you going to make the playoffs? I think last week their guys say, "Hey, we still can do this," and now that path is really closed. Now that's uh, see that might be in track because I do believe that when your goal is to make the playoffs, which every team is to varying degrees, they believe it. Coming into year, the game after you're eliminated is a tough one. So. Their record is what, four and six? Four and six. So you're saying at four and five, they thought they were in it. And the NFC's tougher, so 12 and 12. Yeah, I mean, if they win out, are they flat here? But you know, son, the fact they're favored means they can get away. I mean, you know they want to stop this. Like, you don't want to read this. Yeah, that's right. Hey, if they were dogs here, I might agree with you. I think as a favorite, they want to get their win, don't they? And it's the Giants who have offered no resistance on defense and whose offense suddenly I don't hear anyone screaming, D. Jones, anymore. Well, the, but the Giants are in kind of a similar spot to the one that Dang Atlanta does. was in a few weeks ago where they're off a bye. Yeah, they're not winless. We love winless teams off the bye. But they only have two Who's wins. Who's this and- we you keep talking about? I love winless teams off of a bye, but the fact the Giants are what? They lose six games six in, a, in row? a row. Exactly. So they're a team on a long losing And not stake. competitive in any of them. Great. And now they come in off the bye. That's a good bounce back spot for a team that no, maybe I agree wasn't with you giving there, full but, effort. But we kind of are acting like there's three, even you, Maddie, would agree with the following because you think the percentage of time is less. And I agree with you. I, I certainly am not on Fez's side when it comes to always theories on motivation. 
Typical motivation is a majority of the time. Extra motivated, under motivated. Yeah. Fez, you're making the case that the Giants are going to be extra motivated. I agree. But I don't the think... The Giants are extra motivated? Yes. And, Why? And the reason being that if you are on a big losing streak and you're off a bye, it's a... I mean, history tells you there's a chance to redeem yourself and you, you're focused because how could you not be focused? Yeah. Right? Okay. And you... But, I think you're also trying to make the case the Bears are going to be under-motivated. I'm thinking, no. I think the Bears want to win because they've been losing so much. Right? I'll tell you who wants to win more than anybody in the world and who's happy to see the Giants' defense is Mitchell Trubisky. He, there's no quarterback in the Do- NFC with as much pressure on their shoulders as him, and he knows that this is a big opportunity for him. And we're talking about the potential to have a legitimate chance to even start next year. That's right. Mm-hmm. To continue to, to be a contract here yes. the year after. Do we maybe look at Trubisky over? Because let's agree mm-hmm. with the following. If the Bears are having success against the Giants throwing the ball, that Nagy is motivated to keep throwing the ball. Yes, because he needs to give his quarterback. I like that. His quarterback some confidence. And frankly... The the Bears receiving core, um, uh, Allen Robinson and the other two guys, um, they're, they're all healthy. So that that hasn't always been the case. So the fact that he's got a, a healthy receiver core is probably a really um, good sign. This is the team to be throwing the ball more against. You want to talk about that? Sure. Actually, we just saw some breaking news on Twitter that it looks like William Hill has announced the purchase of CG technology, including the leases at the Cosmopolitan, the Venetian, and the Palazzo. Why are you so mad, man? He he singers one less out, which is true. The other one just bit the dust. And that's a big one. What's the timeline, do you think, on Nevada waking up that, you know, their friction to operate here is too high? Numbers start reversing, going back down. California doesn't come over So a couple years at minimum. Yeah. That's why I said I I think we're probably. Speaking of California, you had a prediction when we were just chatting before. You want to share it? I think California gets approved by 2020. And you say, like, minus 200. Yep. Oakland Jets. Yeah, I'm just. I was just thinking about this. Get Bears. Back to you. So, do we like Trubis or Trubisky over? That's my last question. Trubisky is a, now it's formally in. I mean, officially in now. Yeah. Oh, he is official. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like your. I think your logic is so very strong. Let me look up his what his average is in terms of getting him some confidence and getting him some reps and some some. Yeah, I, I just wonder what buy price we might look at that at. Next game, Oakland Jets. Jets. This can't be. It says Jets thirteen here, Fess. <laughs> I like the Jets. Take, I, I like the Jets oh, getting three, thirteen. Three well, minus one twenty. But why do you put why'd you put thirteen to represent three minus one twenty? Oh, that's a plus. That's a plus there. Got cut off on your on your Okay. But why would but you put the favorite in every other case, why would you put the plus why wouldn't you put Oakland three? So it was screwed up. It was right? screwed up. All right. Oakland favored by three. We got that. Yeah, I like the Jets. I gave this out straight out of Vegas as my early line mover. Oakland overvalued based upon really two of the specific games at home. They had that game against Detroit. That, uh, they had the goal line stand. Oakland did. Could have been heading to overtime. Oakland was fortunate to win that game, and certainly the Charger game. If you watch that entire so, game. So the theory is they, if they went 0-2, perception would be very different. Yes, but we'll give them 1-1. One and one. And then Oakland, instead of being 6-4 and four and being a playoff contender, is 5-5. Five and five. And they're like, ah, eh, they're an average team at Nonsense. best, if not a little bit below average. And Now, this always worries me. 
I think directionally you've done one piece of a two-piece logic. One is, hey, there's a circumstance that could possibly lead to this team being overrated, meaning winning some more, a greater percentage of these close games than you would average. But now how do we quantify it? What, tell me why the, what does your power rating say this line should be? So I have the two teams on a neutral five and a half. And so if you give the Jets two and a half for home field, it, it, it gets us to three. Okay. Which and is the what lot, the spread is. is that so three. how is it that they're well, already? Well, because Oakland has to fly all the way across the, the, the country for this game. So it's a well, bad travel spot. It's okay. going to be bumpy air travel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. He delivered that deadpan. I wasn't sure you were joking. That was good. But this is a debate everyone has. I won't name any names, but I actually, this is probably the craziest story I ever said, and it's short. There were two guys that were with me before, neither are now. I mean, this is like a long time ago, and they didn't like each other, but they were both the same type of guy, right? And there was some shoot going on, a sizzle reel, you know, there was all kinds of shoots back then where, you know, there's going to be a reality show in sports batting, and they were, you know, pregame was involved. Those two were down at a hotel. I get a phone call. It's like 10.30 on a Wednesday. I get a phone call. One of them screaming, that mother effer. Ah, bah, 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 bah. All right. Okay. All right. So, no, so. Five minutes later, other guy. I tell you this. Bah, 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 bah. All right. Okay. You know what they were debating? What the dispute was? 10 a.m. starts. <laughs> yeah. Is it accounted for East, in the line? Yeah. Is it accounted for in the line? Now, this is a little complicated in that 10 a.m. starts do hurt the 10 a- or the West Coast team. But historically, it's accounted for in the line enough where you can ignore it as a handicapper. So, Fez, actually, you make an interesting point. When you got your power ratings, it's not accounting for any of that. Yeah, they don't so care what So though the market is. would account for it, the fact is you don't yet. Thus, if you adjust it, that means the Raiders here... That one factor in addition to your power ratings at three, if the power ratings say three, but it's not considering the 10 a.m. start, Raiders probably have a low value. Not saying it's enough to bet the it Jets, yet. Jets have a low value. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the downgrade of the Raiders, right. Jets offering low value. What are the factors? Like, if we were doing a back of a napkin, what is the line? What is Fez's power rating? What other factors? 10 a.m. start, what else? I believe this is a bad spot for the Raiders. Three straight home games. Now, that's a query we were right. going to run. Okay. I'm going to run that as Matt's talking. By the way, I, I ran the other one. Let me do that real quick. So we talked about teams 0-8 or worse, second half of the year, right? And the home team is 27-22. and 22, So that's not uh, – 55%. It's not bad. But road teams in that spot – we we think that well we know the travel historically is a detriment though usually the market accounts for it. What other factors, Jets Oakland? So I don't like the fact that Oakland's playing three straight home games. Okay, so I'm going to check that. By the way, I checked the other one. Let me be clear on this now. So it's the Bengals are winless, and we said second half of the year winless teams. Cap it simple. But then we said home road split. Home not great, good. 55%, 27 and 22. That that winless team, and that's what the Bengals are in. 27 22. Why? Market overreacts to the big bagel. It's that simple. And the team wants to end that bagel because the local paper, this is even bigger, better. Winless on the road, second half of the season, 74%, 29 and 10 against the spread. So Bengals in a good spot. Not a great spot. 
Fez, you're asking home, 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 then this game's the road. And is there any wins and losses? Yeah, win them all straight up. All right, I'll look into it. Let's keep going. Maddie. what do you got? I like the Jets. I mean, I like the Raiders in this spot, and I know it feels a little square to like the road team. So we got a bet here. Yeah, to like the road team minus three, but I can't get over the YPP numbers then this game. You down with YPP, I am, and I always have been. Oakland, number four in the NFL, averaging six Point one yards per play on offense. That's number four. Who's dead last at number 32 in the entire NFL? The New York football Jets. And the problem is, I think we're all saying that they turned the corner somehow. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I saw people that had the New York Jets ranked as the number 32 team in power in football and power ratings yet who did they beat to suddenly become better the giants we just said the giants defense isn't stopping anybody that win doesn't impress me at all this team is dead last in ypp for a reason playing the team who's number four i think you can make a case because nobody's really talking about the oakland raiders offense you can make a case that the oakland raiders offense still even after three straight wins is underrated I'm only laying a field goal here with number four against number 32. Count me in. Okay. Fez, I think I know what you're going to say, and I want you to say it conversationally. Like, to me, the thing the pods need to do even better, having smart people show mutual respect and talking. So I'm going to let you take the lead here. All right. So make, saying the Jets are last in YPP is an accurate statement. They're tied with two other teams, only 4.3 yards per play. That's horrible. Horrible. Same as Miami, same as Chicago. However, I'm going to give the Jets a little bit of a pass here. Why? Luke Falk. Luke Falk was the quarterback for three of those games, and that is why the Jets are last in YPP, because their numbers were atrocious when he was quarterbacking the team. I think that's an interesting point, right? So if three of the ten games were with a third-string-level quarterback, obviously it's going to contaminate the stats, right? Now, you could pretty easily, it would Contaminate seem... Contaminate it to dead last? Well, that's the question. So, Mackenzie, do me a favor. Give me the Jets on our new sheet just to, and print it for us. Now, after the show, I'm going to show you this new sheet we got. Whew, okay. We got every game in it, and it's got about, I mean, this seems crazy, about 40 things about each game. All in one spreadsheet, you can sort everything. So what we're going to do is we'll keep this the thing going. We're going to look at the yards per attempt in all the games on one sheet of paper that Luke Falk didn't start. So let's accept that's an open question. Can, uh, Maddie, you can, all right, so we got a crossfire here. So you're just saying. So my problem yeah. is, though, that is that we're assuming that Sam Darnold has played exceptionally better. 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Ooh. Really what we're saying is the Jets are being Rated higher than normal because of two good games. Those two games, I think we would agree against the two worst teams in football, the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants. My question is here, if this game took place two weeks ago, prior to the win against the New York Giants, wouldn't we all lay three on the road at the Raiders? Well, Fez, get your power ratings out from two weeks ago and tell us what the line would be. And don't you can do the math silently. So he'll go, whoa, it's minus two plus four. Then, <laughs> then you count for home field. <laughs> All right, quick question. How sharp is the sharpest NFL action today? Because, meaning in 2019, I do not understand for the life of me how Atlanta was bet like they were last week. In hindsight, 
looks brilliant. When it got back down to three and a half, there's someone saying, whatever you think about this game, you're wrong. How would you characterize in general the amount of sharp act? When I say sharp, I don't mean feds. I'm talking about the syndicates. And, and how sharp is it? The amount of syndicates on any on NFL, I can tell you that the vast majority of syndicates we see betting on NFL strictly bet numbers. Now they may do a lot more research. And when hit. you say numbers, what do you mean? They just pick off off market numbers. They're trying to find arb situations or favorable off market number situations. The uh-huh. idea of some big syndicate coming but then, in and then saying would would explain. I mean, you saw. I mean, you you're following the screen as much as any. I mean, you got your own proprietary screens. Mm-hmm. How do you explain Atlanta getting when it was four, and, and and a lot of appetite for Atlanta money against Carolina had already been sated, and they said, you know, we're going to bet enough now to get this to three and a half. That was not the two thousand dollar game, guys. I have to say this, and this, and I'm a little bit surprised because I always live by the same theory. There used to be a theory, and let's let's agree that we all lived by it that. Key numbers of seven and three that books just didn't want to come off them. They didn't want to go to near three. They didn't want to come off three. They don't want to go to three and a half. I could tell you as someone who monitors bets for a living that come into casinos that they move off at a surprisingly amount of time. And sometimes they move off it on air. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about four being a key number. I'm saying, what did it open at, Fez? Six. So six early, you know, maybe a couple spots. It was five and a half wide on when, on Monday, right? Right. To, and I know limits keep going up through. I think part of it is public drive in that game. So I I didn't. But how much is public betting on Wednesday? Carolina. I'm you, I haven't completely dissected, but I did look at that game's numbers a little bit, and I could tell you that I think Carolina is a little bit of an abnormality in the betting markets this year. So some of their better games happened in London. They had a buy. They didn't appear in any primetime situations. And then I feel like when they did get primetime games, you know, in the afternoon on CBS or Fox or then, you know, like they lost the Green Bay and they didn't show up. And well, I, they, they showed up. They were six inches away from yeah, being from down to the game. So. But if any, if any, well, first off, I, what's with the Snyders? I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, just let's have a conversation. I think that they have it represented well in any spots to grab public attention. I agree, but, but. There's no, but hold on. What was the line in Green Bay, Carolina? Like five and a half. So what I mean is, it was saying Green Bay was a little bit better. So there was a lot of respect. I mean, what would the line be if Green Bay hosted Atlanta? But but, if Green Bay hosted Atlanta, what would the line have been two weeks ago? Eleven. Okay, so that implies seven points better. Ten, I'm thinking. Yeah, so six to seven points better, Green Bay over, and if Carolina. Is five, five and a half. It's saying one and a half points better, right? So we're saying four, four and a half points difference. Well, that would have meant the line would have been seven, seven and a half with Carolina at home against Atlanta. But it, it was getting back from four to three at the end of the, or three and a half at the end of the week. The NFL is the one and only sport where I'm telling you, and I see this in monitoring the bets, and sometimes it's hard to explain where the public can drive line movement more than the Sharks. Before Sunday? throughout the entire week because here's what happens now and and this is what happens with apps now a guy gets off work tuesday night and guess what he's gonna do he's gonna make a bet because there's tuesday night football on it's some action and he's going home or he's going to the bar he sees something else for next week and he bets you know he bets the nfl too in a parlay 
And then on Wednesday, he does the same thing again because there's action. And you know what there is Thursday? Football. And you know what there is Friday? Football. And you know what there is Saturday? Football. So How about have- Sunday? Football. <laughs> and Monday. There is football literally seven days a week. So these guys are constantly on their football apps. The idea that the public doesn't drive action anymore, it's just not true. You know something? This is uh, honestly... For the listeners, this is how I think. It's the only way I know how to learn because this is like the fifth time today, not just on the pod. You gave me something to think about. Think about what he – I don't think it answers that question, to be honest with you. But it, it, it's not – I'm not saying there yeah. is a clear answer. I'm only asking because it confuses me. But he's making a great point. What percentage of people back in the day was the guy – my guy, Friday night, he was open at 6. He closed at 729. He was using the newspaper line for a while. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking years ago. Yeah. Today, what percentage of people don't have an app? And thus, in their, which means they're playing post-up. Now, maybe they don't have enough. If they're so playing out of pocket, they can't bet Sunday's games till the Saturday games are over. That's a different universe, right? But if you just have a d- 10 units in your account, you see something you like Wednesday, why not bet it Wednesday? You don't have that money in your hand anyway, Right. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And you know what? Bottom line is the game's on TV. They're all on TV, right? Yeah. So I think what you're saying is for getting Carolina Atlanta, the percentage of action from non-professionals pre-game day is up. Is way up. And it shows in the New Jersey betting market, seven. and this is a public stat. You can go look it up. They release it. Their own public figure, figures on the, the gaming enforcement site. 79% of bets in New Jersey happen on mobile apps. 79. Yes. Now, the in-game, and we've talked about this offline for a couple of different things. The theory was as the mobile apps happen, this is five years ago, in-game goes way up. Because once you're loaded, locked and loaded. Uh, but what I'm saying is, obviously, the in-game up arrow has been a lot less than expected. Do you get any? What's the thing that's going to change that? Steve and I talk about this all the time, and it's one of the areas that Fez and I always agree on. It's the user experience because the problem is. Well, he's bitching because they they won't put his bets through. They're they're going considering, considering. It's the latency issue. So what all books do, and I know this for a fact, to to battle that five-second latency is they just put a four-second delay in. So you go to put a bet in, the thing spins for four seconds to take care of the latency issue. But then by the time the four seconds is over, the next play happened and something happened and the line changed and you get an error message, line changed. And you go, oh, crap, well, I'll accept the new odds. And you go to put your password in and it happens again. You do that five times and get rejected, you give up. You put the phone down, you say, ah, screw it. I said this before. I, I think it's maybe the most, uh, I, I feel as strongly about this as anything. And Matt, I'm not asking you to comment on anything you don't want to comment on. If you understood, and I just understand a little bit of it, the reality of when the play is actually happening versus what people are seeing on HD yeah. and especially even uh, the satellites that's even one level slower, if you don't trust the book 100% to not play games, you wouldn't play in-game. What percentage of people trust the book 100%? Hardly any. So I think there'll be a time the in-game goes up and there'll be a time after that that people figure out because it becomes prevalent, the knowledge, that really they're assuming the book's not trying to screw them or they wouldn't play because the book could so easily screw them because you were talking about the delay and all that. How hard would it be to have an if-then statement? If this play gains more than six yards, deny it. If it doesn't, 
accept it. And only on every third bat and only on these guys, who would ever know that? Yeah. Right? And and they could do that. Sure. So I think there was a bit there was a lot of hurdles eventually, I think, to the end game. I think where the in play gets better is when in arena Wi Fi gets better. The people at the event who are watching the event in real time and the apps get a little better. Then all of a sudden, that guy's having a good experience because it's a bad experience now, anyway. That, but do you think that's something that will lead them to want to play it off site, or you're saying only on site will be big? I think on site it'll get a lot better. And the that, guy's in the arena. That line, here's the problem. Otherwise, is you look at your betting app and you go, "Oh wow, Minnesota minus seven and a half. Oh, it just went to nine. And then the next play, they get thirty yards, and you go, "Oh." So by watching the in-play, it makes the TV experience poor for you to watch because the in-play app yeah. is always 15 to 20 seconds ahead of the TV. So you just watch the in-play. You go, oh, I bet he, I bet they're going to have to punt. It's third and three. Oh, they're punting. The odds just changed three, a point and a half. Oh, yep, there he goes. A complete pass. Or, oh, crap, the odds just went up three points. They're going to throw a bomb. There it is, 40 yard out. Yeah, it makes yeah. your watching experience suck. And it's hard to get bets down. What encourages me about everything in general, and I don't know the order it will be, is you see now that serious team owner level people are making investments yes. in infrastructure companies or whatever. So to me, once they do that, you want to talk about knowing ahead of time of what's going to happen, right? Is at least the power brokers are going to be very much motivated to try to help along this stuff. I think that Washington owner Ted Leonsis. Yeah, he's got a couple of big investments. Amazing in. guy, yeah. Oh, so, oh, you've had dealings with him? I I don't know Ted personally, but everyone I do, it says he's an absolute amazing guy and the things I've seen that he's done is really smart. All right. And they're already doing a lot to do it for enhance the in arena in play experience. Interesting stuff. All right. So are we done? Oh, so you guys have a three hundred dollar bet on that. Yeah. Now, some people speculate. I'm just on the square side with the YPP numbers. No motivation or extra factors in my favor. A lot of people speculated right before you weren't able to join us anymore that your bad run might have led to that and that, that you were trying to avoid having to pay out. Oh, you, yeah. you owe me a nickel, by the way. For, for what? For the rest of the Super Contest. You gave me a nickel. Go, oh, I'll give you 500 next week. Oh, I and thought it was like it. for a bet. Uh, I'm like, I thought you meant for Well, no, a this bet. is even more. This is money, cash money oh. I took out of my pocket. All right. All right. Now, <laughs> Fez, counter him on the Jets. I mean, do you, do you accept? Do you want to buy out? Because I, I haven't heard you say anything contrary. Well, I talked about Luke Falk. And I, I, what I about know. the two That's weeks it? prior? Uh, we never oh, yeah, answered yeah. that question. All right, well, I understand that they beat two cupcakes, but they didn't just win by field goals. They, I mean, they blew out the Giants and they blew out Washington. What is so. blowing out Washington worth now? Well, I mean, the well, remember the they those sharps were talking about bet the heck out of Washington, right? That game was one got bet to two and a half. I thought it went the other way. No, 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 no. no. It I, went I, Washington it, it, way. Came back yeah. to two at at post still, in some still. places, but still net yeah. more yeah, money. A lot of Washington money. Can't I can't explain it. I. I I got to be honest. I couldn't explain that. Not just because I disagree with it, because by definition you're going to disagree with some of the moves. It just it was so extreme. I could see the half point. I could see the point. At least didn't get to three. Then it would have been crazy. Yeah, and this might be one of the first times that like we and the super contest took the Jets plus one when the market line was two and a half, and we never do that. Well, you do when it's uh, the Chargers and the Steelers, and the, <laughs> right. the market's three and a half. Carolina. New Orleans, New Orleans, nine and a half. Fest. This is my teaser of the week. I'm going to tease New oh, Orleans. Let me guess. 
It's going to be something from a certain. Wait a minute. You're Somewhere between down to eight yeah. and a half, or the three and a half? No, seven point teaser. We're going to get the seven points here. No. Yeah. You're going to lay like a dollar forty. I am. I love it. You want to book? You it? do realize. You do realize that you have a mandate to give us each week the teaser you like best that doesn't go through three and seven. Yes. Do you have that prepared? Is it written out? It's not written out, but it's going to happen, boss. When? It's going to happen with the Green Bay game. It's Green Bay. Matt, do you believe there's any... Because here's the thing about teasers people don't realize. Most teaser batters don't like the game. They like the profile of the team in this given game. So let's say a low total, low variance that's going through these certain numbers. Yes. Because if you like the game, they say, why don't just bet... All the sharp teasers look the same. We all know the numbers. We all know the profile. And most of the time, they have no real handicap in the game. They strictly bet within this tiny little profile. So eight and a half down to two and a half, two and a half up to eight and a half. So literally in an Excel sheet with a couple macros. And can't we all agree that the books know that those are coming? They make those numbers intentionally knowing those teasers are coming. Well, I think what we've seen is teaser protection. We've seen all kind of crap. What percent amongst the, the the winner or NFL X uh, sharps that when you were behind the counter, amongst the more creative ones, whereas they're not rote, they're next level guys. Were they doing? Was there any significant action on teasers that didn't go through three and seven? No. So Fez is. I, I'm saying I want box office. I want something interesting. But what Fez does is what they do. It's three and seven. What you know, and that's it. Stay tuned. But you've got, well, yeah, you could say it, and maybe you'll put a nickel if I force you to and then put it out on Twitter. But you do this. There's no alternative, right? Well, I mean, I think there could be, but I just, we weren't seeing them for high right, dollars. But you were, I mean, for years and years and years, Cantor was taken by far the most sharp action in town. So and if you didn't sharp see, action just doesn't include That's what I'm saying. Teasers. If you didn't see it, it wasn't happening. Yeah, I just don't think it does on teasers. All right, continue. All right, let's talk about Kyle Allen. I have concerns about Flipper Kyle. Allen. Flipper Allen, yeah, big flipper. First first four games, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 4-0 straight up and against the spread. The last four games, not so good. One and three straight up, one and three against the spread. And look at this touchdown-interception ratio. Three touchdowns, nine interceptions. So, most recently, versus Atlanta, 29-3, lost QBR of 4.5, Watch this game very closely. What is going on with Mr. Allen? And what I'm seeing is he's locking into his primary receiver, and the defenses are reading him. He threw three interceptions in the first half, and these were not flukes. These were right to Atlanta Falcons players. They weren't deflections. They weren't um, off of his receiver's fingertips. So because of that, I am very concerned about Kyle Allen and how he's going to do going forward. I agree, and I actually lean toward the Saints here. And if you look at the Carolinas, I mean, they have three losses in their last four games at the Niners, at the Packers, and versus Atlanta. And if you look at those three losses, they were outscored 109 to 32. It's not like, hey, you know, hey, you know, we all know the Green Bay game was close. They ended up losing by eight still. And yeah, they could have got a touchdown and maybe got a two point conversion. But 51 to 13, 24 to 16, 29 to 3, 109 to 32 in that three game stretch. That leaves me to believe that some of the things you had said earlier when we were talking 
about Al, Brandon Allen for the Denver Broncos and, and Gardner Minshew early in the season, how after a while guys get tape on a guy and they understand how to stop the five or six best things he does. I think that's really shown up here. I mean, that's an overwhelming number to me because I think a lot of people believe Carolina is good. 109 to 32 really stands out to me. I lean uh, Saints as well. Mm-hmm. Just got myself a Coke Zero. So two leans, but you got a teaser, Fez. Yes. Ah. How good is Drew Brees? Because obviously at some point he's going to be old. right? Too old to be a good NFL quarterback. Last year, it kind of got obscured by what happened post-Thanksgiving. By some metrics, Drew Brees pre-Thanksgiving last year had one of the five best seasons in the history of the NFL as a quarterback. But then you start saying how much of that is Breeze versus Kamar and all these weapons playing in a dome. Well, maybe we'll go Fez and Matty. Right now, how good is Drew Breeze, meaning 1-32? to 32? So I have Breeze, my number five quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you've had a nice summary of our concerns along with the positives. I will say this. Breeze got back on track last week. Had a QBR of 86 versus Tampa Bay. That was his best game of the year. Three touchdowns, okay. no interceptions. So a little bit of a buy sign. Now it is Tampa Bay, not exactly a good defense, but well, a, a their, good sign. The rush defense is, is top flight. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. I saw it's like three and a half. They give up three and a half yards per rush. Exactly. But um, vulnerable in the secondary, and Breeze took advantage. Same question. How good is Breeze? I think Breeze is somewhere between four and seven. And look, since he came back, he's had three starts, six touchdowns, one interception. I like the fact that he doesn't turn the football over. No interceptions in two straight games. Uh, That's a key component. When you have a great defense and an offensive line that's steady, not turning the football over is important, and he seems to not do that. And look, six touchdowns. He's averaging two touchdown passes a game each of the last two. I think he's right there. I think two things about his injury could help. One, fatigued arm. It was some of the thoughts after Thanksgiving. You take all, you miss five games. It was like Brady went, you know, again, it's been years ago now. When he had the suspension after Deflategate, he played better later that year than he had in prior years. Theory was it was game 12. It wasn't game 16. Well, Breeze would be the same thing, right? Number two, I was shocked that he came back before the bye. I mean, it was they were favored by double digits, and it was against Arizona. Yeah, no, they didn't need him. It shows you these, and this is why Fez, when he gets in their heads, I think is especially dangerous because they don't think like us, right? And they think I don't care about my hand. I got this Bridgewater's trying to take my spot, and I think Bridgewater nipping at his heels has got Breeze more motivated than we. I mean, he seems to be more determined than we've seen him, right? Yeah, I mean, the Atlanta game was a little funky, but if you take that Atlanta game out, the other two games he started, six touchdown passes in the other two. I'm, go ahead, Fitz. And pursuant to your Tom Brady comment about the 12 games, um, you asked me to run those numbers for you, RJ, and 2016, his 12-game season was actually, uh, during the last five years, easily the best of his years in terms of yards per attempt and certainly touchdowns and interceptions, 28 touchdowns, only two interceptions. His QBR, Brady's, was number two. That was the best during the past five years. So you took the whole season for five years? Yes. And we said the one difference was in 16 – he played 12 games. Yes. He had 8.2 yards per attempt. 
7.6 the year before, year after 7.9, 2018, 7.6. What I'd be interested in for next time, the last four games of each of those seasons. Mm. Because the effect is going to come late, right? Yes. So I'll be good interested. Call. All right. And and just to be clear, Matt, you're right. Obviously not a good game against Atlanta. But when I say determined. Still didn't turn the football over, though. I'm saying just visual cues or whatever. It just seems like, let's say that determined is the opposite of disengaged. It feels like he's not disengaged. Like he's engaged at a level. Breeze has always been kind of flat, it seems like, in a good way. Like he's. He's not going to get too up. He's not going to get too down. He seems more up. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know. In pregames, I see him like leading the cheers and like you know, hitting guys in the helmets. So I've seen in him general. up. Yeah, I've seen him up pregame. But I know he's professional. I think is the way I would agree with you there. Once the game starts, yes, yeah. So Tampa Bay is now minus ten in turnovers, and Winston amazingly has Triskaidekaphobia. Thirteen interceptions in the last five games. Four against New Orleans. He cannot be trusted. And now he goes up against an Atlanta defense that is surging. What is going on with this Atlanta defense? They've given up 12 points, zero touchdowns the last two weeks. So I did a little research on this. I know I talked to Brad Powers about it as well. During their bye week, Quinn decided to stop calling the plays on defense. He ceded the play calling to different assistant coaches. So one assistant's calling plays apparently on first and second down. Another assistant's calling it on third downs. By all reports, it's exactly the same schemes. Nothing has changed except for the results. The team has responded very positively to it. Now, that is important to me. Whenever I see a major change in stats, in performance, my question is, is this normal variance? And if so, okay, no big deal. Or does something cause this? So Fez, Maddie just stepped and got a minute made, so to update him on it, Say that one more time. When we were trying to figure out Atlanta, what's different? I was watching the last seconds of uh, the Street Buster. Oh. Akron's massive 0 for ATS season run is over. Oh, wow. So how many did they have in a row? 10 in a row. Uh, this season, 0 and 10 ATS. Nobody had ever gone 0 and 10 ATS. They did it. They finally covered a spread today. Wow. 2017 loss is a huge underdog. See, I'd be interested to see the as that streak gain momentum, you would think people would be betting, more and more people aware of it. The average fan is going to bet against them. Against it. So in theory, I though usually you want to bet against a streak, I'd want to bet on the streak here. I mean, obviously today wasn't it because as more of the public becomes aware mm. of it, they're going to say, I don't want to bet that Akron team. But I think for four or five weeks, you could have made money when people said they can't lose five or six yeah. or seven and in there's a There's a do theory too, yeah. right? And then finally, they lost 10 straight against the spread, and then finally they covered one this week. You think 10 in a row straight up and against the spread this year. They're 0-10 ATS and straight up. How many of the players knew about it, you think? I think nowadays it's hard to avoid. I mean, I, when you put on ESPN, you don't just see the your two teams. You see the spread. And what's fascinating is it's going to be like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is the very act of the team's 0-10 against the spread is going to affect their performance. Not only affects the market, mm-hmm. it could affect the team itself. Yeah. So Fez came up with, or read, 
a, a wonderful thing, which is there's been a change in defensive or defensive play calling. Yeah, so Quinn was um, calling the plays on defense up until the bye week. Which, remember, before la- before this year, he hadn't for, or I don't know if he ever had it at Atlanta, but that was him taking over entering the year. And that was a big part. We were talking about him, a, a prime candidate to get fired because the defense had been so bad for the Falcons. So during the bye week, he ceded it to his assistants, and apparently one of his assistants is calling the plays on first and second down. Another one of his assistants is calling it on third down. Since they've gone to this system, no change in schemes at all. It's exactly the same defense. It's just in the play calling. Atlanta's not given up a touchdown the last two weeks. Atlanta had, I believe, six or seven sacks going into their bye week through seven games. Now the last two weeks they've gotten nine. Wow, that's amazing. How much of an upgrade have you made after the two pro- – each game, give me the upgrade for Atlanta. One second – I, up, I upgraded Atlanta a point and a half. After which game? After the first win, and I just upgraded them two points after the last win. So three, <clears throat> three and a half points. Yes. What you got in this game? Oh, man, it's tricky for me. And this one, this was a – I wanted to pass if I could. Yeah, I'm pass. one of those suckers that just takes Tampa every week that they're a dog. Well, I think what it is is so many of our – Let me run down that road one more time, <laughs> famous Jameis. <laughs> <laughs> and it will go overtime. Yeah, let me go off the cliff again with Jameis Winston. <laughs> That's funny. You know why I think the Sharps, and we'll say in quotes, they do love yards per play. They mm-hmm. do love a lot of these metrics that feel like they get past the scoreboard. But how do you integrate turnovers? Because we've said it 100 times, it bears repeating. You win the turnover battle, you cover the spread 77% of the time. Yep. None of those other numbers matter compared to that. In fact, we uncovered in your absence the win- the leader at halftime of a game predicts the winner straight up less than the turnover battle. <laughs> so wow. if I told you, I'll, I'll tell you yes or no, did this team have lead the, the turnover battle or if they have the lead to half, which one would you have rather had? Have the lead to half. Yeah. Nope. Amazing. So my top nine power-rated teams, this debunks somewhat the theory of turnovers being random, although I would argue, hey, when you do have the lead... I think in, you're talking chicken and the egg, aren't you? Yeah, because a team that has the lead gets the turnovers in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. for the better team. It's, 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 nevertheless, only one team has a negative turnover ratio of my top nine teams, Dallas, and they're only minus one. Fez, I think they're your top nine teams because they're winning the turnover battle, right? Well, they... Mm-hmm. That's part of it, yes. Part of it. It's almost all of it. Well, I try to not overweight turnovers. And, and, appara- and apparently you're doing poorly. Mm. So who's the best team with a, with a negative turnover number? Dallas minus one. Right, and then beyond that? Rams minus three. And, right, so let's find someone with an actual negative number. Chargers minus nine. And where are they? They are my number 14 team. Okay. So that's why I have them for it. You asked me before, why do you have the Chargers so high, Fezzik? Well, the, the turnovers have sandbagged their season. Okay. but So you're acting as if turnover – I mean, it's funny. You're saying well, – let me ask you this. The teams that you – let's take out the Patriots because I think the Patriots do things we don't fully understand. Other than the Patriots, we take number t- – because you got the Pats number one, right? Yes. So we'll take team nine through ten, or I'm sorry, the next nine teams, two through ten. Mm-hmm. And I want to think about their turn. And you can take out Dallas if you want. It's your call because they've got a negative. Now, all those are plus turnover, blah, 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 right? 
So they're plus margin on takeaways and giveaways. You said, you know, I don't really, you know, rank these. I try not. So you should be willing to give me what? Plus 300 that I'll say those teams versus nine other teams. We can randomly pick amongst them and we'll compare those two. My random group of nine, you've had your pick of the nine, mm-hmm. and I randomly get nine more. You should give me plus 300 on the turnover net between those two teams from here to the end of the season. Oh, that's a good question. Well, no, it's either a yes or a no bet. Well, I'm just wondering whether I want to give you a plus 300. Well, why, you're, you're saying that you're not letting the turnovers dictate, so those must be the good turnover teams. Well. So, well, the reason the turnovers are largely random, but the reason I'm thinking about taking the bet, I mean, they're not completely random, mm-hmm. is because these are the best teams. Mm-hmm. They'll have the lead in the fourth quarter, and I'll win just because of cheap fourth quarter turnovers when my team's running the ball more and not taking risks, and your team's throwing the ball. And, That's why. And, and I hear you. I agree in general, game situation is going to affect turnovers. But if what you're saying is these teams are better. At turnovers because they just don't turn the ball. You know, you say largely random. It's almost like we're all looking back in hindsight and saying, "See, this good. This team's good at turnover. You can't win." I mean, I want to see. It's funny that you have a five and four Dallas. What do you have them ranked? Number six. Okay, that is a statement. You're saying the record says this. I'm saying something different. What's the other statements on yours? We are even if we. Tr- the point I'm making is even if we try, try hard to not let. The scoreboard dictate where we say, "Oh, look, they're seven and mm. three. They got your rankings and this and stack ranking wins aren't that different." Yeah, I got Pittsburgh twenty second, and they're but, but a five hundred they, team. Okay, so not that different. Yeah, yeah. So, but let's be candid. You got Pittsburgh in theory lower rank, but they but that was a very obvious. They won some close games. They've had some defensive turnovers. What I'm saying is wherever we look at the differences between just the record, they're going to be obvious. You know, whereas 4-0 on close games, mm. that registers in the recess of your mind, so you're more inclined to downgrade them. But there's a, name me the team that is not obvious why they're so high or so low. So I'm saying we are trying to be like half computer, half human by using numbers, but we don't trust the numbers enough to use them fully, and we laugh at the people that don't use any numbers, and we act like that blend, that hybrid, is some magical science, I think it's just there's a lot of, like, you tend to look at this page, and they've got this number on it, and that number sticks in your head. It doesn't feel real thought out. I'm talking anybody I know. I'm not saying you in particular. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, when there's only a couple of teams that vary greatly from – their actual Fezzik ranking versus their number of wins, what are we really doing? It feels like we're that what we got to do is try to find other ways to rank these teams differently that make sense because it feels like there's such a bias to just say a win's a win. And we don't say it, but it's the way we I, I agree with you. I think that you want to remove that completely, but it's very hard to do so. Because what ends up happening, last thing on this, you'll do it one game, You'll do the second game. The third game, you're like, well, it's like me in Seattle. I was pounding my fist. Seattle's overrated. Seattle's overrated. When they go in and beat San Fran, I came back and said, you know, I was wrong. Was I? I mean, we'll see. But will we ever know? 
right? Because yeah. it's not like at the end the champion was the only good team. I can easily say Seattle won't win it this year, and I'm probably going to be right. You're only going to get to see 16 trials of coin flips. I mean... So, Maddie, just to finish this concept, you've been around a lot of really sharp guys. What are the? Is there anything that jumps out at you that this stat or this approach helps you get away from, hey, this team's got a better record, so they must be better? Don't say yours for a fly. You know what? It's tricky. Um, I can't think of one in the NFL. Now, I do think in collegiate sports, there's a lot. Um, what, what jumps out there? Strength, strength of schedule early. Yeah, I agree with So that. you get college basketball teams that do these pay-for-play games early because that pays for their whole athletic department, and then they get into their own conference and they're battle-tested, and suddenly they're really good, and everyone goes, wow, they were 4-11, and 11, and now they went 11-4 and four in their own conference. Yeah, that's because they played Kentucky and Kansas and Duke, and they became battle-tested. So strength of schedule in college can be massively misleading compared to um, your actual ability. But in pro now, where it's a, you know where the the gap is definitely bigger from one to thir- I mean smaller from one to thirty two, it's tricky. You know I don't know that there's any one stat you could point to and say that one thing is you need should grab onto it. By the way, Falcons, their ATS margin against Carolina plus thirty, against New Orleans plus thirty. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Washington, Detroit by three and a half. Matty. Well, we know now that there's no, there's no question Stafford's out again. Um, and I think look, he was doubtful for a lot of the week, but it, now he's out. So even with that being said, I cannot back a Washington team ever with Haskins as quarterback. I just think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't seem to be able to make progressions. He can't get through reads. I don't think after this season, he'll ever take another snap in the NFL again. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I believe that strongly. I don't know much about the inside of the Haskins stuff, but what I do know just from what percolated out, that Jay Gruden didn't want him playing at all this year, which obviously makes the draft choice questionable. That's right. But it also makes it seem unfair to him that if he's not ready, why put him in? Why are you putting him in there? Because he's a not chance, ready. There's a chance he could have been ready in three years. Maybe. he could. You could have developed the skill sets he needs, but he doesn't have them now. And now you put him out there, and it's just so bad. And and some of it is going to be uh, the perception of him with other GMs, or whatever, where he won't get chances. Some yeah. of it is he's going to get, you know, they say happy feet or seeing ghosts, ah, whatever it is. What is the Detroit, what is Washington's rush defense? Or oh, check that Detroit's, because to me this is with Washington every week. It's one of the simplest handicaps. Can the other team stop the run? If they can, Washington's in big trouble. They give up four and a half yards per rush, so well below average. Detroit's. Mm-hmm. So that makes and, and, and Washington did get their um, Geis back um, out of LSU, so they've been running geriatric Adrian Peterson. Now they got you know two oh, two first running. First off, you can say geriatric, but Adrian Peterson but is not like athlete, a blow. Yeah. He's not like a blow average runner. He hasn't back. been. He's been. He's been good. But now but, they got. But why do you feel a need to attack? Are you an ageist? How old is Peterson? How old are you? 
I think AP is 34. I'm 56. <laughs> and you're making fun of his age. Well, having, having two capable running backs is better than one. Oh, okay. He's changing his tune. There you go. Anything else in this game? Yes. I like the total in this game. I'm going to go under the 49 you know, and a half. I didn't realize I'm the young guy in this crew. I'm oh, to... you don't realize it because it doesn't appear so. No. <laughs> you, actually, you know what's funny? You look. Steve does look the same age as me. It makes me feel no, like. No, Steve I'm... looks young for his age. He does. Now, remember, he does put a ton of shoe polish in his hair. I mean, it's, literally, it's not we true. look the same age. My wife puts always, it No, like, you don't. You don't. He looks good for his age. Um, thank you. Um, you should just go salt and pepper. It's trendy. No, no. no. I know. We tried that. Oh, it's not um, he, looks like, he looks like he's homeless. Oh. Because what happens is he's got that big pompadour, and then the hair. Oh, wait. Never mind. RJ said he radio <laughs> hits only with that vest. <laughs> yeah. um, so Driscoll in for Stafford. The, the, why like the under? This is a very simple um, handicap. Detroit. Is a high scoring over type of team with Stafford. But now you got Driscoll, who hasn't played terrible. Hasn't played terrible. Still one of the, we're clearly one of the worst five starting quarterbacks right now, if not one of the three worst starting quarterbacks. Who, Driscoll? Yes. Haskins won. Finley, Brandon Allen. Finley, Brandon, yeah. Yeah, in the top five. Brandon Allen yeah. from Denver. Yes. That's a little aggressive. The team that he's saying that he's as good as Flacco. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, and we all agree Haskins is right there at the very bottom of the list versus Keenum. So if I've got two compromised quarterbacks and I've got two teams that desperately want to you know, get a win and avoid mistakes, this looks like a real close to the vest. Hey, my offense can't score. We know Washington's can't. They went 16 quarters without scoring a touchdown under 41 and a half. You know, Matt. Argue. Yeah, it's a good. Point. It's sometimes I'm always scared when they're. And so you know obvious. what else I like that you know as soon as you said that to me, I went, man, I better do a fez on me and check, and check the weather. And the weather's supposed to be crappy. Potential light showers could turn into snow. Yeah, I, I could see under forty one and a half. Although forty one and a half is low for these two teams. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. But first, I should say, I turned Maddie on to Zots. I did. I, did. House, I brought one in for you. I love it. That's what I'm saying. How I bought you, three bags of 100. See, that's what's happening. Yeah. Do you find yourself eating more now or less than, let's say, two weeks ago? More. Yeah, that's what happens. I you just keep, keep you want eating. more yeah. and more and more. Z-O-T-Z. Yeah. They have different flavors. You did turn me on to them. Oh. I bought a variety pack for 100, orange for 100. And the guys at work have this weird... You know, they love the apple ones. The oh, I like apple. the apple, too. I used so to be I a Jolly Rancher apple guy. Oh, so. They love the apple, yeah. You know what I'm starting to do? This is more advanced once the addiction grows. Okay, because <laughs> I'm getting there. No, I'm serious. Once I tell you this, next time you're, you're going to be like, oh, my God. You do two at a time, different flavors. Oh. And then what you figure out is these two flavors go, oh I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> I got to buy another variety bag. I'm down to But one. when I said that, you saw the possibilities, yeah. right? Oh, right away. Because like, like, I like uh, cherry's good, but it's a, it doesn't have enough pizzazz. Yeah. So you throw in like apple with cherry, you get the pizzazz. Oh, yeah. Zot. I'm going to do it. They're Italian candies, but you get them on Amazon. I'm at the stage now, five-pound bag. <laughs> I'm serious, yeah. big five-pound <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, they last two weeks for me. Yeah, yeah. I bring them to five work. Five pounds. them in the candy jar. <laughs> All right, guys. That's the best bet. Zots. Yeah. Z-O-T-Z. Here's the question, though. How do you project? How do the Sharps project what the total should be? Meaning, Fez has his power ratings for sides. This team's zero, meaning even with uh, NFL averages, team's three, three points, home field's three, six. How would, if you could give us a fairly 
easy way, or maybe it's more advanced, to say the total here should be X, and then we can see if the team, weather, other things, or when I say team, team matchups, affecting things. Where does the baseline come from? Points scored, points allowed on that field, on the field of play. And then, you know, add points scored, points allowed at home for the home team, points scored, points allowed on the road for the road team, and then weighted in points scored, points allowed, period. You know, but the first, the most heaviest weighted factor is going to be points scored, points allowed at home. For Okay, so if we play baseball, 162 games, that makes sense. Yeah. In the course of a very short 16-game NFL season, especially if you're going to be weighting home and away, 8-8, eight and eight, Seems like you're going to have very, uh, or doesn't seem like you have a very small sample size. Yeah. So you're saying in game six? So they stick it with the bucket. I say it again? They stick it within a range, period. Every total is going to be within this range. But that's what we're trying to. So it seems like the premise of NFL betting is more than any other sport, the stats have to inform your handicap more than the game results. Yes. What are the stats? Is there a yard? Could we simply say, okay, for every, I don't, I should know this number. I don't. 38 yards gained, it's a point. You know, this is an area middingly. This is one of the spots where I think yards per play comes out pretty prominently. I mean, when you look at the teams that are bad at yards per play, their totals are always the lowest Miami, Chicago, Cincinnati, Washington, Pittsburgh. These teams have some of the lowest. Uh, I mean, totals every week, too. And then when you look at yards per play allowed, it's it's pretty good. I think every 15.7 yards should result in a point. And the way I got that is that the average NFL team is averaging 370 yards, and the average point for an NFL team is 23 and a half. That's going to be good offseason is how, how to – because if we can figure out the, these or stats in this way lead to this, once you've got that, you can figure out totals, sides – you can figure out actual what the real score should be in a game because it's that different than the scoreboards always have no, right? Because the public reacts to the scoreboard. It's going to be a good offseason project. Yeah. So, so to make it official, Fez, you're on the under. Jacksonville, Tennessee, next game. Tennessee favored by three. Fez. I like the total in this one. I like over the 41, RJ. I like this one a lot. Let me make my case. If we just look at the football outsiders – rankings from these teams. These look like as Joe Q average teams as you ever find. Jacksonville, 18th in offense, 19th in defense. Tennessee, 19th in offense, 16th in defense. So what's the average total in an NFL game? 47. But this totals 41. So it's way lower than what you would expect for two average teams with average offenses and defenses. And I'm going to make the case that both of their offenses are undervalued because all these numbers are... Well, hold on a second. Two factors in a total, efficiency, which is what's measured by football outsiders, and pace. Talk pace because obviously there's efficiency in NFL and any over-under, I think. Every snap, how good is a team? In fact, that's exactly what yards per play represents. Now, how many plays are there going to be? Fez, what was your assessment on this Tennessee game? Right. So the pace of play, the average of the NFL, 27.7 seconds. You snap the ball. All right. So let's be clear here. 20, what now? 27.7 is 27. the league average. 27.7. Okay. League Out average. Out of 40. Out of 40. I mean, the max it could take is 40. Yeah. 47. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Jacksonville's right on that average. Tennessee's one second slower than average. So, so close. A smidge slower. Smidge slower. However, what makes me really like the over here 
is because all of these numbers from football outsiders on these offenses, remember, both teams have upgraded at quarterback. Foles is back. He's played one game now. So we would expect Jacksonville's offense. So are we sure that they've upgraded Foles? Well, I have him two and a half points better than the stash. Uh, but you do realize that when you're self-referential like that, you're saying, yes, I'm correct because of this number that I made, right? Yes. So have you made an adjo- How do you rate Foles last week? He was slightly below expectations. And what adjustment did you make to the stash versus Foles? Two and a half points. What adjustment did you make to the stash against Foles after last week's game? Oh, I did not adjust Foles just because it was only one game in his first so, game. So you, ha- so you have no decreased uh, optimism about Foles? I do not. Okay, continue. Very good. And Tannehill, and this surprised me, RJ. Tannehill has not just been better than Mariota. He's been a lot better. Yes. I've got him two points better now. So remember, Mariota had a lot of games that he played for Tennessee, and th- those are baked into the Tennessee subpar offensive numbers. One of the recurring themes here is when are the numbers not telling, right? So we always try to say score is this, stats are this. When is the score lying? Now the next level is stats are this. When are the stats lying? Well, when the team is different than the team that generated those stats, right? You're saying Jets, they're not as bad as they seem on offense because of Falk. And you're saying Jacksonville, better than they seem on offense because they have a better quarterback now. Yes. Pretty convincing. Do you not like – what do you think of the total, Manny? I like the over just because I think Jacksonville's had an underrated offense all year in terms of yards per play and actually being more effective than uh, a lot of people think. In Tennessee, um, I do think that their offense is upgraded with the quarterback change. That's fascinating. If you think of all the teams whose offense is significantly different than a nice chunk of the year – these would be two or the what? Five, maybe? Whereas Tannehill is an upgrade and you, you know, Foles is an upgrade, but people are using the stats for the season. So even those football outsider stats saying, oh, these are about even offense. So why is this total what it is? One of our basic premises is if a number's off, you got to understand why. I can't understand it. I know division games tend to be a little lower scoring. And I also think just, just, in terms of public sentiment, you think about these teams. Tennessee, oh, they ground and pound. They're a boring team. Jacksonville. The, the total seem to be, maybe it's going to adjust in a half a point. Yeah. You're effectively saying, and this sounds crazy, you think this total should be 47? Yes. I think it should be 43 and a half. Which is still bettable, but, but Fez's methodology would lead us to think it should be 47. Maybe 45, just because it's You're a division. You're just making stuff up No, but division games are lower scoring. By how much? It's by a point and a half. You, you want to bet that I'll it's get not the, between one? No, you just said it's by a point and a half. I, I read an article that was a point and a half. When was this? A couple years ago. Mm, couldn't have changed since, right. right? And somehow you remember the exact point and a half. Homework. Uh, no, I can do it in five or in two minutes. It just seems like... It, all I'm saying is this. If I'm the audience, if I'm the listener, and I say... Well, his logic makes a ton of sense. Wouldn't the idea of saying, well, let's follow the logic to its obvious conclusion and then say, does that stand up to your test, smell test? So 47 would be your number. Does that stand? You could say, well, yeah, it's high. Let's make it. Why make it 45 and a half? Maybe his number's just crazy off or maybe there's something I missed. I'm probably missing. missing something. But I'm probably not missing enough that this isn't a fine bet. Well, how do we know how big it is that you're missing? Yeah. All right. All right. We got. So on the side here, anything from any, either of you guys? No, 
not for me. Luckily, there's I, I, I lean Tennessee. I almost got to a like on Tennessee. Oh, okay. So yeah. make a case. I, I just think that at this point, I'm not sure about Nick Foles coming back. And, and look, the Colts were banged up last week, and, and Foles just didn't look that great to me. And, and this is a team in Jacksonville that's kind of been on the slide, right? They lost four of their lost six games. Some of them... You know, they gave up 34 points to the Panthers, which didn't exactly age well. Lost 26-3 to Houston. That hasn't exactly aged well. Um, And I just like the way Tennessee's turned it around. Man, this team has been gritty. I love that comeback, that win against the Chiefs. Then they hold on against the missed field goal, and they have momentum. I I like it when a, a team makes a change, and that change works. And now things are going in a positive momentum. It's like a reset. That's right. So the team made a quarterback change. It wasn't an injury. It wasn't a quarterback coming back. They said, hey, we have to do something different because this isn't working. And since then, they've won three out of four. I mean, granted, they beat the Chargers. They beat the Bucks, uh, But the beat right, the listen, Chiefs. Charge, I, listen, Chargers, Fez got number 14. Yeah. Bucks amongst the quote-unquote bad teams. Chiefs are probably in top five, top six. Yep. For sure. And 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 Bucks are a good bad team. That's right. So I mean, I just like the new momentum. You win three out of four with the new quarterback. Um, I mean, I could go to a like on Tennessee here. I like the fact they made a change, it's working. The results have been there since that change. And for Jacksonville, the results have been very much the other way. Now they've made a change because of financial reasons. They made a change because they paid Nick Foles so much money. Well, are we sure about that? Because if anything, they could have traded. If they were contented with the stash, Jacksonville could have traded Foles. That well, quite, I don't that's think they know contract. if he's going to work or not. The problem is he got hurt in the first half of the first game. So but they're it, trying to see, do they have an asset they want for the future? I agree with that. But what I'm saying is if they felt certain of the stash, they would. even if they don't know about Foles, they would trade him. If you think you got your quarterback of the future, you, you don't. I don't know that that the stash is also the quarterback of the future. Yeah. So Nick, but I also don't know that Nick Foles is going to work there. But why would Nick Foles all before the last game? We had eight plays or eight passes from Nick Foles. There's nothing other than if you think this is a chronic injury to his collarbone, really changes your opinion of Foles from before the season. But I was never in love with Foles. Yeah. So that's a different year. They yeah. were though, or they would have never. They signed were. Him. Yeah, and and it's one ugly game, but it was. Uh, I mean, he only threw one pick, and but it it just he looked, he didn't look in rhythm, which in a way we made a mistake there. As much as I think, to say after it's one thing, this is such a rare occurrence. It's one thing even to miss eight games or something, and then say when they come back there might be a little rust, but. Foles had no games under his yeah. belt. So it went, it, it literally was a combination of rust plus it was like the first game of the year for him, yeah. effectively. No continuity with those yep. receivers. Or and we just didn't see that. And and I think, if anything, the jump should be in the second game. In theory, if he has a bad game this game, you got to be concerned, I think. Yeah. Luckily, though, Uncle Dave Esler, new buddy of Matty Holt, DMs and such, I guess. Uh, are there Dave. any like pink hearts? Sent? Like, no. no, just just business. Yeah, strictly business. Yeah, he's got a pick on this game. Let's listen. Sunday, I love Tennessee over the Jaguars, and I think if Foles weren't back, I don't think I'd be able to get away with laying just three points. And watch that game play by play last week. Foles did not pass an eye test to me, and it's a rematch of a game Tennessee and Mariota lost in Jalen Ramsey's last game as a Jaguar. No more Marcus. 
Since Tannehill took over, Tennessee's 3-0 at home, and they're off a bye. Since Ramsey left, Jacksonville's allowed 24 or more points four times, something they only did six times all last season. They've allowed an average, and this surprised me, 165 yards a game on the ground on the road this season. If Derrick Henry gets half of that, things open up and Tannehill will feel like he's back in College Station. To me, it's the Titans' defense that's statistically better in every important category. And even offensively, it's the Titans' offense with better numbers, including this one. Tennessee is number one in red zone TD percentage. Jacksonville is last in red zone TD percentage. They're telling me on a neutral field, these teams are even. I'm not buying it. I also love the fact that it's a later game, which makes it a little chillier for the Florida team. Give me the Titans minus a field goal. Wow, Uncle Dave. Matt, newfound respect for Uncle Dave. Yeah, I like him. I'm like you. I like uh, smart people. I like articulate people. And I like people with a different perspective. That's the key. Because sometimes when you're around the same group and area, you hear the same thing all the time and you need some fresh insight. And sometimes I reach out to Dave for that. I often say... If uh, it's the old cliche, and then I try to add to it, is if someone agrees with me all the time, you're useless because I know what I think. Why do I need you to tell me the same yeah. thing? I'd rather have someone that's wrong 90% of the time, but 10% of the time he's right, and that 10%, no one else is thinking because I should be able to judge generally when you're right or wrong, and that 10 is going to be fresh. I can eliminate the 90. I don't need that 90. Yeah. Love, love that kind of stuff. Next game. Ooh, this is the doozy. Okay, we're, we're only going to have four games. This is next. So let's do this. One in, you know, we just had Uncle Dave. We'll do one more game and then Green Bay, San Fran. So that's a good one, too. We'll take a break before that. So let's do this one. New England at home, six and a half. Dallas. Fez, this line jumped out more than any other for me. This has shown a ton of respect for the Cowboys. That's my just main first initial thought. Do you agree? I agree. I made this line seven. So the fact that this is light at six and a half, and think about it, typically with New England lines, I'm always saying, oh, they're charging an extra premium on New England. And this is the rare case where it looks cheap on New England. I actually lean to New England. It's all about I have a concern about that Dallas offense, which frankly has been playing, played great all year long. They played one really good defense, the Saints. Dallas only got 10 points. They were ineffective against the Saints. And I wonder how effective are they going to be against Belichick and Foxborough? It is another very stiff test for the Dallas offense. How do you rate Minnesota's defense? Top 10, so, not top five. So you've got your, you got your power rankings now, right? Are the, you got your defense done? No. I've got my prototype on, and what on do you, methodology. Well, let's use football outsiders. That I can do. What does football outsiders say on Minnesota's defense? Number seven. Hmm. So that's not a good day? That's a good day. But you just said they played one good day. They played one top five D. <laughs> Why don't you yeah. just say top six? <laughs> but I mean, Minnesota how, is a good day. They played they, two good D's and they, they moved the ball up and down the field against Minnesota f- over 400 yards. So doesn't that contradict? I mean, I guess I don't know what you're saying. You're saying they had one bad game, Dallas's offense against an elite defense. So you're concerned about their offense. I'm concerned that their offense will not click like it has if when they have well, to play another elite when they have to play another elite defense. Well, what's the total in this game? I mean, what's the imputed score? How many points are we expecting from the Cowboys for them to So totals 46, so 20 for the Cowboys, 26 for New England. All right. So do you are you looking saying you'd like to bet under the team total for Dallas under 20? I would bet under 20. Yes. 
And it's because of how they... Hmm. All right. Maddie. There's no way I'm playing under 20 because I'm down with YPP, and we know who the number one YPP team is in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys, 6.7 yards per play. I like that offense. They hit some rough patches this season, but I think you can correlate the real rough patches of their offense to injury, key injuries to the offensive line. When that injury, when that offensive line for the Cowboys has been fully intact, this offense has been really effective. And what scares me on the other side is while New England's defense has been historically good this year, that offense isn't so good. I mean, this is an offense right now, number 24 out of 32 in yards per play. New England is always in the top 10 in yards per play in offense. They just, they're efficient. They have a good offense. This offense isn't working, and they've lost a lot of weapons, and there's a lot of moving parts going on there. I actually think this game may end up being closer, and I lean Dallas. What do we make of Brady after the game? So, uh, last week. There's a Super Bowl rematch from a couple years ago. Assumption is that New England's going to be very motivated. Uh, also, the thing that concerned me about Philly in that spot, though I had him against you guys, what concerned me was, as I listened later in the week, Mangini made an interesting point. He said one-dimensional offenses New England can handle. It's if you can run and pass is the problem. Philly doesn't have the game-breaking speed. Thus, it was going to be one-dimensional. Patriots win. Defense was the key. You win on the road against the Eagles in a revenge spot. You think you're happy. Brady was upset. What does that tell us? Is it an example why Brady's Brady? And it should make us think they're going to be better in this game? Or does it make you think he saw something that really concerns him and thus, we should take that as a hint. There's something really concerning about New England's offense. Well, there's a lot to be concerned about. Brady has, you could argue he's upset because he hasn't been given any weapons. He's thrown to Edelman I, still. And I got to be honest with you, that is the most asinine comment I've ever heard. Given weapons, do you think Belichick has a great receiver in his, in his guest house just waiting to give him to him when he thinks he acts right? What do you mean, given weapons? And if he was upset about that, why would now be the time? After all these years. Hmm. And and it's only something, it's not about you. I'm just surprised you said it. This is what everybody says in the media. It's so freaking stupid. There is a salary cap, which means you have X amount per player. So you could just divide it by the number and say it's this much per player. But you know some when you get a Brady, even though you're getting him perhaps at a bargain, is it now? I don't know. You're paying X amount more. So now you got to pay someone X amount less. So if you think Brady's great, let's just say you've got offense and defense. And let's just forget. Let's say that you've got offense running the ball, offense passing the ball, defense defending the run. Or maybe on defense, it's front seven and the D-backs. So you got four quadrants. Let's forget special teams and all that. Okay. If you can't pay enough to make sure every unit's elite of the four, not unit, but every one of the quadrants elite, what do you do? Do you perhaps say if there's any one of these four that can overcome being financially uh, stingy with, wouldn't it be the GOAT's side? So we could, if what we were worried about 
was receiving yards and stats and all this stuff that other people care about. We'd make sure Brady had the big names, blah, blah, blah. But if what we're worried about is wins, which of these four quadrants is going to be able to make up for not having the big name? And oh, by the way, what position group is the premium that comes with the name and fame the least valuable? Meaning if some if someone's an O-line, I mean, they're great and they become famous, they're probably a really good O-lineman. How many receivers become big names, but they're really not that good? They just have a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. They have a, so let's get the no names to play receive, the playmakers because there's a more inefficiency in that market. Let's pay for linemen. Let's pay for a great cornerback. And Brady can make up for it. Maybe that decision, I think it's why, the Patriots have won as many Super Bowls. But now we're going to start complaining there's not a lot of big name receivers? He wasn't given that. Respond. <laughs> you can say, you know, that's a good point. You know, some really good points. And, you know, to be fair, they did draft a, number, a speedster wide receiver in the first round in Harry, and he's been hurt most of the year in NFL. And who knows how good he was going to be? Multiple and, and, offensive line injuries early. The guys go on the IR. And by the way, the one positive Isaiah Wynn is very likely to return. He's been out for Not many games. Week. No, he's supposed to, he's very likely to return the last time I, well, I believe the last time I checked. Isn't it interesting that the prevalent narrative is actually 180 degrees wrong? The idea of these idiots saying, you know, Brady should be mad at Belichick because he's not giving him the reason. No, maybe he should be happy. You don't think Belichick shares with, who knows what Belichick shares, first of all. But it's very likely, hey, Tom, you know why I can do this? Because you're the only one I trust. We got to have a shortfall Mm. somewhere here. Would you rather it be you or would you rather it be somewhere else? And you look at the Kansas cities of the world, What's everyone saying? Mahomes is great, but when he's making 40 mil a year, we're, they're going to have enough D-backs, they're going to have enough whatever. It's yeah. a great point. Right? And, and I think you've got to give Brady credit on two fronts. It's easy to say give him credit for taking less money because there's less money to be – or there's more money to be spent on others. But then he gets double the credit that he's willing to take less money and then that shortfall – when it comes to going to him, he's allowing it to be spent in other positions or on the other side of the ball or running, which would help him some, right? Because if you can run more, you can pass more. What's the big contract the Patriots have? Isn't it a cornerback? You know, one Gil- of the Gilmore? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look. So you could effectively say Brady's paying some of Gilmore's contract. Yeah. And you hear him complaining? No. Just count the rings. Yeah. It's pretty good. I might be, have something in this industry. There you go. <laughs> Some point, maybe. All right, next game. So, what? Did we, so you're leaning, lean New England. You're leaning, leaning Dallas. And you've got Dallas. What you said, sixth? Yes. So this is a, a five and four team. Six and four. Six, Six and four. I hear a lot of people talking about you know Dallas is the third best team. For what? What games did they lose? They lost to the Jets. That was a real statistical. Like if you look at that, when they had multiple cluster injuries on the O line, lost to Green Bay. Yeah, at home. I tell you, that was not a good game. Hmm. Definitely gone south. And let's face it, Aaron Rodgers has struggled historically on the road. He wins about half of the time in his starts when he's on the road. And now they're playing. The Packers are a top five team in San Francisco. So if you only win half your games on the road, you're asking a lot to win. At San Francisco, I will go ahead and like San Francisco. Is the game pick them? No, minus three and a half. So I'm confused. Well, all right. Fair enough. I, I mean, 
the, the San Francisco's three and a half, more than three and a half points better than an average team. But is that the way to do it? Like yeah, I how, think so. Really? How good Green Bay? I mean, if somehow you trusted that Green Bay is going to be 50% on the road this season, maybe. But what does that 2014 have to do with that? Well, I think most of the the Aaron Rodgers teams have been, you know, solid teams like this year's squad. I don't see a, a huge difference. Really? My- you're saying What you're saying is, where do you have Green Bay right now? Ninth. Okay. Where does the rest of the world have Green Bay? Probably a little bit better. Yeah. I think Green yeah. Bay is between five, four, five, six. And most, I don't, I agree more with you. Colin has them six. Football Outsiders has them ninth. Football Outsiders is not a ranking. Fair enough. Right? Collins probably more, more mainstream. Go to ESPN and see what it is. Because my point is, if you what you're effectively saying is this Green Bay team is about the average of the Aaron Rodgers teams in the past, your statement isn't the Aaron Rodgers teams in the past. The statement is you think Green Bay is way overrated. Right? So what do you got, Matty? Look, I like Green Bay, and the one thing I know for certain is that this uh, San Francisco 49ers team that we've seen the last three weeks is not the same San Francisco 49ers team we saw the first seven weeks of the season. And what is, uh, you know, what's going on? What's the big difference? Why the drop for the 49ers? Simple injuries. We saw it with the Dallas Cowboys. Cluster injuries on the offensive line led to three straight losses after three straight wins. When their offensive line got healthy, they went on to win two games again. You know, Joe Staley, their best offensive tackle, he's still hurt. George Kittle, when he got hurt two weeks ago, had 46 receptions. The leading wide receiver on the team had 21 at the time. There may not be a more important player on offense to their team than George Kittle to the San Francisco 49ers and what they do. He's still hurt. And on the defensive side. Is he out for sure? He is probably 70% out this week. I I think he's going to play. All right, so... Inside information? Oh, no inside information? No, there was a quote from him that he says, I feel fantastic, just like four days ago. What does that even mean? And Wait, Roto- I want to sell you, I'll go to, I I'll sell go to you a bridge in Manhattan. <laughs> what would four days ago saying I feel fantastic mean? Four days ago was Sunday when they were playing the game that he, he felt, wasn't playing. He felt fantastic. Felt fantastic, he but was he wasn't able to go playing. those Doritos with no problem. While everyone else was playing. <laughs> All right. How much would you say Kittle is worth a game? Like a point. Agree. So, it just sometimes I feel like that we always... About 100% Kittle. The problem is when we make these assumptions with non-quarterbacks is how much is this guy worth? Well, 100% this guy versus 0% this guy is a point. But what are we getting this week even if he does come back? Interesting. Like you're saying Dallas, we can't really look at this. Or we got to really discount this area because they had a uh, lineman out, Smith, their left tackle. Yeah. How much is he worth? Because let's say. Combined, the three certainly are worth a point to two points. They were missing all three Tyron Williams, Smith, and uh, forget the other one. Yeah. Name right now. But, but what I'm saying is if Dallas loses a game, and, and I'm just talking hypothetically here, 28 to 10. And we say, well, those linemen were out. That was worth at least two points. Say, okay, so it's 26 10 or 20. Sure, yeah. I, I think some, I'm always wondering it's one of two things. We're either making excuses after the fact to fit the narrative, or we don't understand there's certain times that three linemen might be worth 10 points. Sure. Because at some point, you can't block. That's so how right. Much is that you can't worth? block, yeah. 
I think it's both. Sometimes we underestimate, and sometimes we're trying to fit the narrative. And I think the Niners' injuries here extend to defense. I mean, the last three weeks, they've lost Quan Alexander, former All-Pro, D. Ford. I mean, they've lost big names on defense the last three weeks. So big names on offense, big names on defense. This is a team right now that all, the players that are going to be on the field don't resemble the team that started 8-0, and I'm going to go ahead and take the points with the Green Bay Packers. And, Matt, you're our spot on about Kittle. He did miss practice today. I did not Even agree. feeling fantastic? Even feeling fantastic. And Shanahan saying, oh, it's up in the air whether he's going to play. That probably means he's more than likely than not to miss. What was San Francisco's power ranking starting the year, Fess? Zero. Average team. Okay, and you got them now? Got them five points better than the average team. Even without Kittle? Or did your power rating assume the fantastic? I I assumed that Kittle was going to play and maybe not be 100%. I bumped them up a half, I believe. And, I mean, you just went to what? Roto World. Roto World. Is today, like in the last hour or two, was the only update from Kittle? Or you just figure, I got the fantastic, I don't need to worry about it. I did not update Kittle and several other players for their statuses today. But obviously, he's critically important. So you're saying yesterday there was nothing? No, this came out today. I know, but what was the... I see a list of them. What's it say before that? Just hit Kittle. You can hit him and see the whole list of his reports. Yeah, I'm on Kittle. No, I see. All right, so what was the prior one? You know you had to talk in the mic. I don't see the prior one. Well, see right, right below it, it says George Kittle also? What's that say? That was a November 17th update. Okay. So you're saying there was, oh, so this was the first update yeah. today. There you go. Makes sense. I was a little worried. I thought he heard the thing on Sunday <laughs> and figures, well, I don't, if he's fantastic, what am I worried about? All right. Are we worried, <clears throat> excuse me, are we worried that we made a five-point upgrade that wasn't justified? Because remember, the Browns were at San Fran, what was that, week five maybe? And the San Fran was, uh, it was Monday night, we're laying three and a half. So it wasn't that long ago we thought, Brown, San Fran, eh, San Fran by a smidge. Now, that game closed like five. or It got steamed like late. Yeah. Is it perhaps the old Allen Boston thing is what we saw during that undefeated start was the aberration, and, and, and this team isn't all that much better than we thought they were coming in the year? I think it actually is more concerning about the injuries because, let's face it, they absolutely dominated and crushed the Rams, and that was a great spot for the Rams. And I know they I, only won. I don't won. know about the Rams' great spot. I don't know about that. All right, but they only won by 13, but they completely dominated okay, the Okay, so they won a game against a team that's an underdog to make the playoffs right now, right, the Rams? Yes. Okay, go ahead. All right, and they destroyed Carolina. Which, all right, what else? Well, I mean, there aren't a lot of negatives when you only have one loss on your resume. But what I'm saying is, if you if you're is that the second best win beating Carolina? Why don't you Why don't you just read read them? Well, I'm not asking for the Fezic, the Fezic. Uh, go ahead. All right, they they the win against Pittsburgh was not that impressive. They beat Arizona twice. Tampa Bay, Tampa, Cincinnati. So weak schedule. Redskins. Oh my gosh! So where's the so Carolina is the second best win? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he, you could see the color draining from his face. How's Jimmy G doing? Not as good without Kittle. Looks like he's lost I his love. Jimmy G looks like he's lost his best friend. And asking the defense to win, and Matty brings up a great point with uh, Quan Alexander. By all reports, really, really good linebacker. And if D Ford can't go, hamstring injury. D Ford's already been ruled out. Jesus, yeah, he didn't feel fantastic. <laughs> 
You know what would have been funny if you would have said, well, listen, I'm seeing reports Ford's out, but I heard he was feeling <laughs> G Whitaker's <laughs> good on, <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> All right. I don't know how good San Fran is. I just know that if what we thought was zero, and in the interim they won a lot. If anything, isn't this exactly what I was saying? We're letting the scoreboard, the wins and losses dictate in an irrational way. And then, well, maybe not irrational because it's human nature. But And then you read down the list and Carolina is li- with, with Flipper Allen at quarterback yeah. is literally the second best win. That's a problem. Yeah, then their strength of schedule has been very weak. Well, yeah, obviously. We don't need any football outsiders number to tell us that much. Next game. So, little hint ahead. Uh, San Fran will not be one of the best bets. Philly, <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> Philly favored by two in this game. Matty Holt. Slight lean towards Philly here. I think they're the more desperate team. I don't like betting against Seattle and it feels like it's certainly a favorable spot for them. Uh, What's the rationale of that? You know, coming off a bye, so they get the extra preparation time for this game. And um, We actually, McKenzie came, uh, was the first guy to uncover this. Against the spread, off a bye, home game, the first game, 50% ATS. Road game, 54% ATS. And, and this is over hundreds game. and hundreds of games. So... By going on the road is an advantage. Yeah. So uh, that's why I don't want to bet against Seattle, but I do feel like you should get a desperate Philly here who's a fairly well-coached team, and usually when this team's back's been totally against the wall, they have performed. So for me, it's a very slight lead for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's question this well-coached. So we all might have our different opinions of Schwartz and all that. I don't even want to worry about that. I think it's fair to say he's not like an oh my type defense coordinator. He could be, I think, on the high end, eighth best, and I think he could be below average, in my opinion. Somewhere in there. What was the uh, most impressive part of the Philadelphia championship winning team? It was third down conversions. If you look, it was like the conversation with Mike Lombardi and those types was, oh my, Something about Wentz keeps his eyes downfield. It's back that year, and then Nick Foles in the in the playoffs yeah. continued it somehow. So you assumed if they both did it, some of it had to do with coaching. And I think you're exactly right. And that coach now coaches the Colts. Yeah, is that was the offensive coordinator Frank Reich, and by all accounts, his wizardry on third downs, his play calling, his scheming. Third down's a challenging down in the NFL. Third and, you know, seven and above, however you want to look at it, eight and above. And he's great because it literally continued. It, you made a great point. Wentz, Foles, then Andrew Luck, who's good but still improved or was good still improved, and then even with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, exactly. Yeah. So there's one theme here. Now the next question is, what have the Eagles done since he left? Like what's their impressive – Claim to fame. Because oh, they've had Wentz that. all these years, right? Yeah, and, and paying Wentz, we obviously know, is a detriment in a tight salary cap league once you pay your quarterback. I mean, the top, the six highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL last year all missed the playoffs. And it's the old ringer thing, which uh, a lot of teams seem to be going against now. You either win with a Hall of Fame quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal. Correct. 100% agree. 
And what you have, now, I don't think Wentz is the problem, and I don't think Wentz is particularly overpaid. But what what are the compelling elements of the Eagles this season, other than Wentz? Meaning, who's their big playmaker? Yeah, they don't have one. They have older receivers. They're not, they're not very fast. Their running backs, who are healthy, aren't very good. And their defensive line, but they used to be the Fletcher Cox show. Well, Fletcher Cox is older, and he's not very good, and he's always hurt. And they don't have any other supporting cast around him on defense. They made a big defensive line signing. They were trying to grow. And a big secondary signing who never played a game. And injury yep. on the D-line. So to me, I don't know. I don't. I can't grade D-lineman. So Cox, is he getting older? Or is it maybe his supporting cast is not as good? And so he's, he's getting, getting more attention. Teamed. Yeah. But Philly, if he, Nick Wright said this. How differently would we feel about Philadelphia if Atlanta were to beat them Divisional round of the championship year, Elena had the ball fez, uh, favored to win in less than two minutes, right? Julio Jones going up for the uh, game-winning touchdown, just couldn't quite bring it in. Two inches down, and then the Eagles get eliminated. Literally, they would have been the number one, or they were the number one seed, lose the first game, and then next year they don't make the playoffs, or they make the playoffs lose early. Now it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. Wouldn't we be talking about Peterson getting fired at this point, borderline? Maybe they won a game. I mean, they again, they got lucky to win the game last year as the double doink. But they just, did win a game. Let's just say this. We wouldn't have near the respect. that Everyone sure. seems so afraid to throw dirt on. I the, think they've had a couple of impressive performances as well this year, though. They whipped the Buffalo Bills on the road. That was a good performance, except or the Bills even an, an average. Team. I don't know, no. but there's so many teams that are in that, you know, to 10 to 23 range that we can't negate all those wins. They went on no, the road no, to but Buffalo. But that's the best win is what I'm saying. Yeah, and the Green Bay is the best win. That Green Bay Thursday wins the only thing that throws a monkey wrench in everything. Right. Because yeah. the Smith brothers were playing. Yeah. And they just kicked the Smith brothers on the line of scrimmage, ground and pound. So maybe this. And that Bills game, I mean, they didn't just beat them. They whipped them. And Bills are a good physical. I mean, the, the physical side, they don't maybe have the playmakers, but yeah. But their defense, I mean, Patriots barely beat them 17 to 10 with a special teams touchdown. Philly went in there and whipped them. You know something? This might segue into the injury situation on the offensive line, Faz, for Philly. Yeah, so left tackle Lane Johnson is in concussion protocol. All right, so Matty, you were explaining. Come Wednesday, if you haven't cleared that, that's a bad sign. Yeah, it's not good. And, uh, Frankly, the narrative on the Eagles all year long, oh, just wait till they get healthy. Everything's going to be fine. Well, they're not getting healthy. At, um, the running back Sproles out for the year. The running back Jordan Howard is banged up. I, don't, I think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to be 100%. And certainly a wide receiver. Deshaun Jackson being out. I, I read, I believe Philly has five 40-yard passes all year long, which is bad, doesn't rank very high. Two of them were for Deshaun Jackson in week one. Jeffrey, their number two wide receiver, is banged up. I don't know if he's going to play. And Aguilar keeps alligator arm out. Aguilar keeps dropping passes. They are hurting at the skill positions. So, so far, Fez has talked about the age of Adrian Peterson and the courage of Aguilar. Yeah. I like to see Fez going over the middle. Hey, so how many of those 40-plus yarders are other than the one guy? Three. So it was five minus two. Yeah. All, right, I got it. All right. So officially, you got what? Officially, I like Seattle. You know, one housekeeping item about the. Well, road- hold on a second. 
You did all that talking. That's the first time you said that, right? Yes. So maybe slow down a second. You like Seattle. I like Seattle, and it's really about the Eagles hurting on offense. I don't think they can keep pace with Seattle. Now, you could ask yourself, is Seattle lucky? They're 7-1 in close games. Is Seattle clutch? They keep winning these close games. I think this is a case where it's a little bit of both, where I do think Russell Wilson is the type of quarterback I want in a very close game. And this, frankly, should be a close game based upon the spread. Rams. Somehow we now have a plus three. What does that mean, Fez? So it says Baltimore plus three. So the Baltimore Rams- is minus three, minus twenty. Boy, IRS out there, you might want to check Fez's tax. <laughs> I hope you have a good CPA, right? Yes. Baltimore minus three. What was the line of this in the preseason? How much did this change? You got the you got the uh, old Cantor line. All right, Matty, you start. Very slight lean toward the Rams. I think this defense has really started to get going here for the Rams. We all know about the offensive struggles by Goff, so I'm not going to try to sugarcoat any of that. But I actually think the Rams' defensive front and the way that they get pressure on the quarterback, but by doing so, also stop the run, may be better equipped to stop Lamar Jackson than any defense we've seen this year. This is a compelling point. First, what do you think, what type of characteristics should a defense have in your mind to stop Lamar Jackson? So they're not a prototypical uh, pass rush. So what happens at a prototypical defense is your ends are rushing in, and they're rushing in full speed. And now if the quarterback, in Lamar Jackson's case, gets outside those ends, then you know the containment breaks down, and now he has the ability to get out either. And oftentimes he gets outside not by going around the end, but cutting inside. Then yes. going out. Exactly. But the Rams get pressure right up the middle. They have the best Mm. defensive tackle in football and Aaron Donald. And by getting that pressure up the middle, it's a it's more of a run. They call it the, you know, uh, run blitz. You know, you want to be blitzing at the quarterback, but stop the rusher on the way. And I think that type of defense is going to be much more effective against the Baltimore Ravens. In fact, we saw the Cleveland Browns use a similar style of defense earlier and have a lot of success against this Baltimore Ravens team. In fact, maybe you could make a case that the Cleveland Browns had the best performance of the year against the Baltimore Ravens. You would have to think that, right? Of course. So, in this case, I think the Rams are well situated at home with an overrated Baltimore team because they certainly can't be underrated anymore because they are everybody's favorite pick on everything. I just think the value here is with the Rams. I think, and I th- actually think the under of this game, and which hasn't been the case in very many Baltimore games, um, you know, if I had to, you know, turn this one into a teaser, I would take Rams and under. I actually think forty six and a half is a little steep. I expect this one to be closer to forty to forty three points scored. Just to be clear, you meant parlay. You yeah, said parlay. Okay. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. I say you can't yeah. tease if you don't go through. through yeah, and I don't do any teasers. Exactly. Okay, this is one of the best points I've heard. What I've never heard you talk X's and O's. So I don't very often. Okay, that's strong. Very strong. It seems like the more I listen to these X's and O's guys, Maddie, is that rush up the middle, that's what the offenses fear the most. Because you just talked about one element of it, but it's especially the short quarterbacks. You know, Mayfield, they said they weaken yeah. the inside, and that's the rush up the middle. Now they try to run outside, but they're not. they're doing it in a loop 
which then that's a problem. Because it takes away the opportunity to really rush at that point because the defenders can come up and yeah, so, contain the rush more. So that's fascinating. And and look at their last four games. They only allowed 10 points to Atlanta, who's suddenly red hot. They, they allowed only 10 points to Cincinnati, 17 points to Pittsburgh, but seven of those were on a defensive touchdown. Seven points against the Bears. I like the way this defense is playing. They're a high-paid defense. They're a high-profile defense with a lot of big names, and they're playing like it this year. Certainly, Jared Goff hasn't lived up to the hype, but I like the idea of a, a Rams team with their back against the ball, uh, against the wall in a must-win spot, trailing both Seattle and San Fran in the division. Uh, against the Baltimore team, certainly inflated, who kind of has the blueprint that another team has used this year to be successful against Baltimore. Uh, yeah, I lean. I certainly lean Rams. But you like the under. I like the under, yeah. All right. Best bad time. So, oh, well, we got to play our girl. Then we're going to do that. And we're done. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. All right, Matty Ho, if you had your choice, and this is a collective discussion, after all the talking, what's your best bet? Green Bay Packers plus three and a half. I, I think the injuries to the 49ers are substantial. I think they were that last week's score was misleading. They were they were down a lot of that game, getting whipped by Arizona. Look, we talked about it. George Kittle, 46 receptions, the next closest receiver at 21 two weeks ago, and the injuries on the offensive line, the key injuries on defense, the D Ford and Quan Alexander. It's just so much favors Green Bay in this situation, and the line's higher than a field goal. Green Bay is certainly, without a doubt, my top pick. Green Bay is off a bye, right? On the road. Yep. All right. Because Fez likes San Fran, it's going to be hard for us to make that a best bet. That said... I'm guessing you've come off of San Fran a little bit. No, all the way. But with like with the kettle injury, I mean that's. So you're saying you are. Re- <laughs> I guess since there wasn't an update since Sunday, it's fantastic. We'll let that go. All right. What would be your second best bet? Uh, Why don't we get Fez's best? You sure. can think about it. Cincinnati Bengals plus the six and a half with um, the injuries for Pittsburgh, an offense that's already compromised for Pittsburgh, and with Juju and Connor injured and Pouncey out, I seriously question that Pittsburgh can get any serious margin here. I like the Bengals. Well, who wouldn't want to put their best bet on the bank? <laughs> Anyone else jump out at you, man? Uh, Rams under? In the Super Contest. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, now, let me think of mine as you're thinking. And then, let me see. Indy? Nah, nah. Miami? Buffalo? Denver? <laughs> Cincy? Not that for sure. Oh. Uh, Oakland? Oakland, Oakland. Fez had the other side of that one, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. But, you know, he's come off. Let's do this. He's come off uh, all the way. So, Green Bay, we're going to go with for you. Okay. That's your favorite? He's yeah. off it. Fez, you're going to go with the Bengals. I don't have the strength to fight you on that one. So, my best bet will be mm-hmm, Washington. Well, I don't like the Atlanta, Tampa, New Orleans. No, Jets, Oakland, Chicago. God, this is not a – I don't like this card at all. Stuff. It is, isn't it? And especially the way they, they they skew the lines. You know what's funny? I kind of – who liked Seattle? Did anyone like Seattle? I did. Fez, just for your self-esteem, I'm going to go with Seattle. Appreciate that. 
And now I figure if Seattle wins, I can celebrate. And if Seattle loses, I can say, well, I did say they were overrated. <laughs> it is situational, obviously. I just don't like Philly at this point. All right, guys. Great to have Matty back. The, the, the goal is in De- get you once in December. At least. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's great. We enjoy it a ton. Thank you. Guys, if you didn't listen to the College Pod, it was a different one. I think it's worth – there was a lot of crossfires, a lot of metaphysical talk. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.